Hello, friends. What's going on? Um, welcome to Off the Beaten Podcast. I'm Dion, and uh, I had things that I wanted to say. I'm just going to say this. Today is my, as I record this, today is my birthday. Uh, my heart is completely full right now. Um, I got so many amazing texts and messages and emails and phone calls uh, from so many people, and it, it just, I'm elated, and I'm so thankful that I have so many amazing people in my universe and um, that they reached out to me today. Um, I'm hitting a milestone in my chronological age. And yeah, it was just great to have so many people reach out and show me love. Um, So I'm so excited about this episode today. This episode is so different from episode one. Um, I loved episode one, but this one is completely different. And that's what I want from this show. I want just uniqueness and I want everything to be a little different each episode. And and we accomplished that. Um, I titled this All Politics All the Time because we hit so many topics, uh, Chicago politics, politics. national political culture, immigration, uh, black culture, racism, um, the real Chicago. So I I hope you enjoy it. Um, Please be sure to download, be sure to subscribe to my mailing list, be sure to rate and review this. Um, If you didn't go back and if you didn't listen to episode one, please go back and do so. And yeah, so this week's guest, he's an Obama Foundation Civic Leadership Corps fellow. He's an entrepreneur. He's an activist um, and an all around great guy. Someone I, I would love to see in Chicago uh, political leadership someday. Um, his name and please excuse me if I butcher this, uh, but Ali Washehi, Sam Adeleke. I'm sorry, Sam, if I butcher that. And uh, he, so, you know, this 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 conversation speaks for itself. So um, without any further ado on that end. Um, this is my friend that I lovingly refer to as Sam the Intern. So I tell everyone, like, I live for the day because I can be like, we are live. And I'm like watching it on YouTube or some crap like that. But right now, as you can tell, this is low budget as low budget get, right? So uh, just real fast before we start, like we sat here for probably like 20 minutes when we try to figure out my microphone situation. I finally have two microphones, but I find that you can't necessarily use both of them at the same time while recording uh, with Audacity, which I'm using as my recording platform. With this crap computer I have, HP Pavilion X360. I throw it out there every time. If you read my blog, it's out there. I don't want my money back. I want an apology. I want someone to apologize to me for thinking that selling this piece of this piece of shit was a great idea. Like with this beautiful sticker on it, it says "Powerful Laptop." Right on. 
I'll kick your ass, Chief. I catch you. I'll fuck you up. So, um, so that's yeah. So that's that. I, I gotta throw that out there. I hate this computer. I can't wait till I can like literally urinate on it. Um, not in public, just in private. But I'm gonna put it in my toilet, urinate on it, and then throw it away because that's exactly what it deserves. That's the mm. burial it needs to get. Um, so without further ado, uh, I have a wonderful guest today. I'm super excited. This is I'm just gonna call you Sam the intern because I can't even believe to. to um, Begin to pronounce your last name. So yeah. I'll let you go ahead and do that, <laughs> and we'll go from there. Yeah. Uh, so my name is Oluwase Adeleke. My middle name is Samuel, so I go by Sam. Um, I'm the proud son of two Nigerian immigrants. So my first and last name are Yoruba, or is, yeah, are Yoruba, um, which is a you know Nigerian uh, language still spoken yes. in the country. Yeah. I, I can, I'm barely got a grasp on English. So <laughs> I'm like... I'm like Oh, okay, right? I can't, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just, ah. Okay, so, yes, so I wanted to, so we, we, we chatted not too long ago. Yeah, um, like last week or two weeks ago? Like, we, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, we, and we'll get to that for sure. Um, so, you are, I, I really don't even know what this podcast is about. Um, I guess it's about Chicago and Chicago people. So, you're born and raised in Chicago. Uh, so, I was born in Chicago oh, okay. and then grew up a little bit on the north side, parents moving over to the south suburbs, um, and then I came back to Chicago um, for undergrad. So, I'm a graduate of the University of Illinois at Chicago. So, I've been spending consistent time in the city for at least the last six years or so. Nice, nice. Um, what, what northern what northern neighborhood? Where all the Nigerians go. If I got to tell you, I wouldn't be able to... Uh, <laughs> But I know that's where we was at. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I was only there probably up until like age four or five okay. um, before moving out to the south suburbs. So, I'm specifically the Homewood Flossmore area. So, I'm a graduate from Homewood Flossmore High School. Okay. All right. Cool. They used to have a really good uh, wrestling team when mm. I was in high school. I don't know. Okay. I couldn't tell you. I don't even really follow anymore. Um, oh, very cool. Um, so, uh, I'm interested. When did your parents come here? Um, so, my dad has been here, I think, since the 80s. Um, I think one of my favorite um, experiences about growing up um, is knowing that my father respects me more as like a person and a human. So he's been opening up a lot to me, a lot more. And so uh, every time I'm in his cab, because he's a taxi driver, um, and we're driving through some random part of the city, he'll be like, oh, like, you know, I used to live, you know, here before I met your mom and all that type of stuff. So my dad has actually been in, in America since the 80s or so, mid 80s. And then I don't know what happened, but something brought him back home. Uh, he met my mom while he was back at home, and then she moved out to Chicago in the 90s. So specifically 1995. Uh, fun fact, she was actually pregnant with me on the plane on her way to uh, the States as well. So, um, yeah, that's the reason why I know when my mom specifically moved to Chicago, because she I was born in December of 95. So let's say about September of 95, my mom's been in Chicago. So I guess my dad kind of came to the States, set up a life for himself, went back, got him a wife. Brought her back and started his family. That's the way to do it. I, I need to. I, I was born. In, I was born here. I ain't got nowhere to go back to. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's I need to go the find a sad thing, yo. <laughs> like I be thinking about. It. I was actually watching. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, the Black Klansman. Yeah, and with uh, Spike Lee, and during that movie, it made me just uh, really afraid because I was like, see, as a brother who knows where his family's from in Nigeria, like I can like pack up and leave like i feel bad for like my african-american brothers and sisters because like where do y'all go you know what i'm trying to say like everyone's just like you know just go back home like you know even when donald trump's like you know telling telling some of these people like go to just go back, back home bro. it's just like 
like Roselit? Yeah, like like for real. Like where like yo, where do you want me to go to? You know? Um, all four of the like three of the four women he like calls out, like were born in the States. You know what I'm yeah. trying to say? And that's yeah, a, yeah. and you're making a very bold assumption that they even have family to go back to, considering that they built a life for themselves here. So it's it's not funny, but like I remember like when that statement was first made, mm-hmm. and it was a huge. Obviously, I'm sitting there like he says that, and old girl's like Brooklyn, like, Brooklyn, like, like yeah, like she like go back to Brooklyn, like this is all I know, you <laughs> right. know, you know. It, it's so interesting, um, just in the fact that you bring that up, because like I think, um, I think we're, we're seeing this resurgence, almost like the '60s, mm. where like. There's, you know, this kind of call to be like, like black power, you know, like we're slowly moving towards that, right? Being proud of your heritage, whatever. And for me, that's such an interesting, but like sticky topic. Cause it's like, I, I feel like I'm like this weird, weird place where like, I identify as an American, Mm -hmm. right? Like I have Generally, in my mind, I have no ties to Africa, right? Language, I was born here. I, I'm a product of Chicago culture. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm a product of of American culture, which is yeah. a product of tons of different cultures. Yeah, but, but like you were saying, like, I have nowhere else to go to. I have no other people that like, I really relate to. You could plot me almost anywhere, and I'd be like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> this is exotic as it gets, right? And it's so weird because it's like... It's just weird. You know, it's this weird juxtaposition mm. and a weird place to be in, you know? Yeah. And it's kind of like... <laughs> yeah, no, for real. <laughs> you know, and, I, you know, and I, I'm, sh- I'm sure I'm not the only person that feels that way, but it's, you know... Yeah, it's just interesting. It's interesting you know, as it gets. Because yeah. I know when I was probably... Well, a little younger than you, that's when the, like, the... Af- you know, well... Uh, in hip-hop culture, yeah. you had Public Enemy and all these groups. You had Queen Latifah, who was mm-hmm. super popular. The you know, TV show A Different World. The Africa medallions yeah. were popular. And, you know, like the Kente cloth. And, yeah. you know, people were, like, wearing the shikis and yeah. all over, you know. And, like, I feel like we're, we're slowly starting to move towards that sentiment again. Yeah. But it's kind of like... <laughs> I, can't see, I, know I can't see my face, but I'm like, oh... Fabulous, you know, because I I can't relate mm-hmm. to that yeah. in a lot of ways, right? Um, and I I would I would say that part of that is a failure on the idea of like like Afrocentrism mm-hmm. or like Pan Africanism, which is in theory supposed to be really inclusive, but for whatever reason, it still isn't very inclusive because it's kind of just like. You're telling people that the clothes and the music is what makes you that, and you should feel included by that. But in reality, it's going to be, it takes so much more than wearing a dashiki to say, like, I feel included now, right? Like, where does the teaching kind of come in? Or, like, where does the, like, that bridging the gap of, like, hey, like, let's just take group trips down to, like, Africa. But then you get into a conversation of, like, privilege and can people really afford to do that? But I I think that, yeah, that's a failure on the teaching itself. It's, It's a lot of, like performative like acts of like just wearing the clothes and like just listening to the music and saying like that's enough and for some people that is enough but then you got folks like you where it's just like i don't relate to that so how do we get you to relate to that you know right. outside of just saying like yo just wear this dashiki because <laughs> um, it's so much more than but, that you put know this on. yeah read, just put this on read this book yeah oh. <laughs> i'm like okay you know but yeah and it's yeah it's it's interesting it's it's funny um, I notice it more now as an adult, but mm. like when I go to things like 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 some last time I bartended a lot, but like I was at 
uh, Puerto Rican fest. Okay. Bartending. And I mean, I hate to say it, but I, I'm in, I get envious mm. of these people that have like this language and culture and food and this flag that they're just like, this is, you know, my heritage. Yeah. And it, you know, and it's not in a, it's not in, in a, that, kind of got awful with yeah. that again, you know, but yeah. like, it's like, and you know, like they're proud to yeah. be Puerto Ricans. And I think and that, it, oh, no, I was going to say that really comes up in the conversation with what is actually happening in Puerto Rico, right? Oh yeah. Because a lot of people have been trying to compare what's going on in Puerto Rico to the black community saying like, oh, if the Puerto Ricans can kind of get together and like organize and overthrow a whole government and, and pressure a, a governor to quitting, yeah. then, you know, how do we do that in the, in the States? And, Someone's like, you're really trying to compare a group of people who share this common language, culture, food. Like when you get to the Chicago, like Chicago people, black people, you can't compare them to folks in L.A. You know what I'm trying to say? Like Chicago is its own whole. Like you can't compare them to folks in Brooklyn. There are there some similarities, 100 percent. But we don't have that. We don't necessarily have that thing that ties us all together. Like the port, like some Puerto Rican people do. Right. Because the thing that really ties me and you together. Right. Is our skin color. But if you look at our upbringing, you grew up in Roseland. I grew up in the South Suburbs in the Nigerian household. Like, (laughs) where's the overlap coming in besides the... um, So it's just like, it's really frustrating because it's like, you see like these people, like the Puerto Rican people all coming together and doing it so effectively. And you're just like, why can't we do it? But then you really sit down and think about it. It's like, it's systematically built so that we can't do it, right? They told us that, you know, okay, there's different types of black people, right? There's the the black people that are well-to-do. There's like just classism within our black community. There's um, just so much things that, like try to separate us and some of those things are internal but a lot of those things are you know the system at play doing its job you know what i'm trying to say oh for sure yeah doing its job and it's so interesting it's interesting um and it's it's interesting you bring up puerto rico because yeah because i have a lot of puerto, puerto rican friends okay you know, um i'm trying very hard to date this puerto rican now. <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying right now so that's a you know it's a it's a conversation that that i that i, I hear a lot of engaging in and uh yeah yeah. Oh man. Uh, dude, good. Good stuff, though. Um. I'm, yeah. I'm. I'm glad they kicked that. <laughs> and they and they're not wasting any time. I'm the, glad the, they the, kicked the, that the the woman out. that they're trying to appoint now. They're already like you. Look, if you walk into that office. Look, sis. Make it good. We we no. We're gonna. They're already like. They're like. If you put it into the office, we're gonna start. We want your resignation as soon as you step in. You know, they don't want her. Oh really? They don't want her. Okay. I mean. So uh, what I'm interested in finding out is who. Do they want? Who do they want and how do they get that person there? Because right now, Puerto Rico is just like in this really weird place of we know we want an effective leader. But from what I'm reading, it's like we want an effective leader. But how do we get that effective leader? And also, like Puerto Rico is really broke as well. So it's like they want to be their own nation. But how do we give them that that nation, that freedom while also like holding the U.S. accountable and saying, like, part of the reason why they broke is because we are, they're, they're a territory. Ba- you turn your back on them. Right. So, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and so it's like one of the things is like, how do we set them free 
um, let them be their own sovereign state while also like giving them resources to make sure that they can rebuild. And under this, you know, government, I don't think he really wants them because, you know, a lot of, of Puerto course. Rican people were upset because they're like, we don't like the way Donald Trump is talking about the Puerto Rican people. Of course. But he's not entirely wrong when he's calling our government corrupt because it is. Right. So it's like, ah, you know, what I'm going to say like, ah, like he's, we don't want to call him right. But in that sense, he is right. But at the same time, it's like, OK, if you find us to be so corrupt, let us be our own people, but also we got to hold you accountable, right? Because oh, sure. the U.S. owes us a couple things. Yeah. So, it's, yeah. especially following, you know, the, 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 disaster. the disaster and like, you know, not sending over enough money and yeah. then the resources not being allocated in the right way. It's all this other stuff. But yeah, I really, really feel for, you know, my Puerto Rican brothers and sisters. But yeah. there's a lot that we can learn, even though we can't recreate what they did. Yeah. Um, because like, also, I saw somebody also put up a fact that like, the, the, the island of Puerto Rico has as many people as like LA does or something like yeah. that or like California so once again you think of like how many black people are in the United States you can't even compare that with all right, of the people right. so it's just like but I also think there's like amazing things like just the way that they were able to effectively organize so yes. I wouldn't necessarily say quickly because I don't want to like you know uh discredit the folks who've been doing, been the, doing work the work for a, long for time. a very long time but Absolutely. like you know and just you know in the context of this conversation the way that they were so able to effectively organize like within two weeks yeah, the guy just, was like i'm out i just <laughs> you love know? seeing those pictures yeah like, all those people like i just love seeing that anytime yeah people come together for 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 a cause for, mm-hmm. to do something good right because if we saw that more often, I, we wouldn't be where we are. We are right now. Yeah. <laughs> right now, you oh, know? man. I, I would say, um, I would say the, you know, the election of Donald Trump to me is just that it's a wake up call. People asleep. People hitting that snooze button, not paying attention to a lot of things. Things, yeah. It was a reflection. It was a reflection. It was a reflection of, you know, and then suddenly you're like, I mean, like anything, right? You don't pay attention. So you're like, how do we get here? Mm-hmm. And those who've been paying attention, you're like, well. <laughs> well, we've been here for you quite some time. Why you wasn't hanging <laughs> While you were asleep. <laughs> While you were hanging out, we were out here knowing that this yeah. was coming. And yeah, and it's, you know, and now um, I'm so intrigued as to what this next election And I was going to ask you, do you have anyone that you're like really rooting for? Because what I've noticed young people doing, which I don't really truly understand whether I can get down with it or not, is... Young people basically have said like, we're no longer choosing the lesser of two evils, Absolutely. right? Um it's either who we want or we not we're not getting anybody right. And on one hand, it's like I understand that. You know what I'm trying to say? Of course. Because I don't want to elect somebody who's a covert racist, right? Because you're no better than Donald Trump. You just do yours behind closed doors. But at the same time, you saying that you don't want to choose a lesser of two evils is you speaking from a place of privilege, right? Because if you know the people who are at the border right now had a choice of whether they wanted Donald Trump to be in office or Hillary Clinton. <laughs> I mean, we honestly can't speak it right into right. like we we don't know right because Donald uh, what's it called Barack Obama also had you know deported the most yeah absolutely so we really don't know if Hillary Clinton would have been any better than Donald Trump as it relates to the people at the border. But right now with how vicious and aggressive he is about what's happening at the border and how he's okay with it. From what I've seen, I don't necessarily know if Hillary would have been down with that, right? Or have yeah. been or been doing it the same way. And it's also just really frustrating because it's like, what can you do about those folks at the border? So I really hope that the Democratic Party really elects, I mean, you know, nominate someone that young people could get behind because if we don't, I can really see a lot of young people saying like, I'm not doing it. I'm not getting the lesser of two evils, which I can't completely disagree with. Disagree with. Or be upset with them about it. it, it might, I've been there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I've never not voted in an election that I was eligible to vote okay. in. I've always voted since I was 18. Say it loud and say it proud. Always. I've <laughs> never not cast a vote. Yeah. Never. Um, there have been times where you just like, right, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> you walk in there, you're like, I can flip a coin. I hate them both. Yeah. You know, but, Devil but, or Lucifer. Right. Like, it's damn near the same person. <laughs> that, that outlook, though, is like, I, I mean, I, I can't even think of quite an accurate analogy, but it's like saying, like, you know what? Right, because you may say, I don't want to be involved. Mm-hmm. You are going to be a victim. Of the system regardless. 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 So you might as well make sure your voice is heard. You're right. Might at least be like, well, at least I think. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Like, of these two people, this one's less of a scumbag. I like, I don't know how you want to raise it. Which sucks. Which is, which <laughs> lets us know where the American political system is at right now. Too. Well, we, yeah. You know? But, and I mean, part of that is like, you know, the money. You know, the money yeah. is a huge part, you know? Um, and I think part of it is also. There's so many aspects of it. We talk about this a lot um, mm. in the different circles I find myself in. But I'm like, usually people who get to that that height, right? Someone who wants that job has probably done a lot of dirty shit, right? To get to that point where you want, want, want to be the president, which I could never understand. And then two, you're in a position to be like, oh, this might be a possibility for me. Mm-hmm. You're probably done some scummy, right? Because where, where in society do we as a group agree that the nicest, uber nicest people are the ones who end up running in, in, with, yeah. with, the, with the with the brass ring, right? Yeah. Very rarely do we ever agree that that's how yeah. it happens, right? The people who are willing to step on a couple of people, shake some, you know, do some deals, grease some pockets, are people who generally tend to get ahead in mm-hmm. business, right? Mm-hmm. And all these aspects. So when it comes to politics, it's like, well, okay, right? So and then we know that politics are scummy, right? Most people I know agree that Washington is a very scummy place. Yeah. Some of them have worked there. Right? Yeah. Like, it's, it's a gross place. So you're already working at a deficit before any of those people start working at walking in the door. Like, oh, yeah. I want to run for president. You're already like, well, okay. Yeah. What you, you done? You've been working at Scumville. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm you was abused the president's Scumville. Right? So you literally went to. Yeah. And it, it's, it's rough. But um, I think for the Democratic Party, I, I said this. During the last election, I, I, I don't know. I would say I don't know much about politics. Uh-huh. I don't. Um, I, I know a decent amount about people. Yeah. But, you know, I, I was actually having this conversation the other day. You look at the politicians that have generally been the most successful over the last decade. Mm-hmm. Right. Even a little, a little beyond that. But when you look at who were they? Right. And what made them really successful? And I, you know, for me, I kind of just if you go back just to Sarah Palin. Okay. Very successful. Why? She had, she, she wasn't very bright. <laughs> she was like, what made her pop? Right? Why was she popular? Right? What was her nickname? Mm-hmm. Right? What what kind of pushed her out? Um, but this idea that she was an outsider, right? She's outside the, the power and I'm going to change things. Mm-hmm. Things are going to be different. And I can see Russia because I'm an idiot. Like, <laughs> and, um, Barack Obama. Yeah. I, he, I, he wasn't he wasn't popular because he was smart. He wasn't popular because he was black. He wasn't popular because he was a Harvard graduate. There's a lot, I know a lot of I know a lot of them personally. Yeah. None of them are popular. He was popular because one, he was pictured, viewed, and then the the, the Republicans, the big dummies that they were at the moment, tried to paint him a picture as being an outsider from yeah. why he's he does he knows nothing about the city and mm. he, he's inexperienced. And then everybody was like, is that? Exactly. That's why we like him, right? Mm. That's why people like them, right? Same thing. Same thing about Donald Trump. Donald Trump, Bernie Sanders. Yeah. And then you take someone who is the poster child for 
being a Washington insider and run her against right because Trump's not smart. No, he's not articulate. No, nope. what what, he, what made him popular? He was an outsider. He was like, I don't, he, do you remember? I don't know if you remember those early early debates when it was yeah. like 24 those because they put all yeah. up on stage and he was like i'm not gonna be like these jokers and people were like Woo! And, and like look he, he was right he was right because he don't know he doing at all <laughs> he just i think just waking up and throwing darts on the board like today today we're gonna be back to death penalty fuck it <laughs> and i wanted to bring that up i was like so is, the, is that so i i don't know too much i know it was the eternal general bar who brought it back but i was wondering was that brought back because of Donald Trump or his administration? Like, how much say does he have in that? I'm, I'm, I don't know. Because I haven't had a chance to really look into it except for just knowing that it's on the table again. It's on the table for pedophiles. That's about as far as I, I okay. And I looked up the five people, the five names who came up who would become immediately eligible. Because mm-hmm. my, <laughs> I mean, let's be real. My first thought was, are these black people? I hope because <laughs> I because but historically speaking, that's what the right. death the death penalty has been racist and yes. accurate. But they with um one one looked maybe Asian, okay, Pacific Islander. The others are white, okay. Um, different cases of um one. I don't know if it was pedophilia, but he killed a young girl mm. and then like four other people. Oh. It was like some kind of murder like that. Um, but then others seem to be some case of pedophilia mm-hmm. or something like that um but i mean i don't know how much input he has in that but yeah. like it's not it, surprising it's coming back under his administration in it, right in his circle <laughs> of of influence and friends right we'll call them friends it's just one of those things where anything's on the table now yeah. right because he's been he's been really really pushing that criminal justice reform and I guess this is just one of those things not, that's under it not, as well. Not in a good way. Well, yeah, not in a good way. For sure not. Not, not, not in the way we want it to be. Not the way I want it to look. <laughs> it's horrible. And it and it's interesting um, to think who who the Democrats are going to run against. Yeah, I'm very interested. Because right now, I don't know of anyone who could possibly beat him. I know who I would want to be nominated, which is Bernie. Okay. Because I just feel like a lot of young people will get behind him. And he's the only one that's really on the extreme side of anything, right? Mm-hmm. I think, is it Elizabeth Warren? Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, she's like on the side of like, let's, you know, forgive student loan debt, but only if you make under 60000 And yeah. we only do 50% of it, right? Versus like Bernie Sanders, like, everybody's gone. You know what I'm trying <laughs> to say? Like, Elizabeth Warren is like, or Joe Biden is like, you know, let's health care for all, but let's still keep the insurance companies involved. And Bernie's like, no insurance companies, <laughs> free health care for everybody, right? And yeah. that socialism, that scares a lot of, like, old, wealthy, white folks who traditionally have ran D.C. So yeah, oh, sure. I feel like a lot of young people, and I think that that's going to lock. Because somebody, I read something really interesting that basically said that old people, old black people specifically, and old black men specifically don't vote conservative, not because of any other reason except for racism. If racism was not a thing or an issue, a lot of old black men would, specifically old black men, would probably vote conservative because of the way it tries to control women's bodies and what it does for, like, taxes and if you're making Uh, enough money. um, It it goes in the best interest of men, right? Traditionally speaking, men have voted in their best interest, Mm -hmm. and black women have traditionally voted in everyone's best interest. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's interesting. Um, so that's why I'm nervous about you know nominating Bernie because I feel like 
all the old people would be like, well, Donald Trump it is. There, you know, I, I'm going to deal with the racism. <laughs> I, I really liked Bernie last election. Yeah, same. I, I thought that he could have won. Ne- oh, for sure. I, I still, I still Especially, think- can you think of like the popular vote and how Hillary beat him in the popular? Oh, I think, I think, I think. Oh. The, the best thing I heard the other day um, on Spotify, uh-huh. they, Spotify has this new feature, but they basically, it's called the Daily Drive. Yes! I love it! <laughs> I love it! Yes! So did you hear the, did you hear the segment about the, the, the route for, to victory in uh-uh. the election? So it was a, it was a two person interview. Uh-huh. It was maybe seven minutes, maybe even 10. But I, I was, I was walking to get a breakfast. Yeah. I, Cause I usually drop my stuff. I bike to work. Okay. So I usually drop my stuff. And then and just grab a breakfast sandwich from Seven Eleven, and then go change clothes, you know. And uh, they were talking about like how basically, uh, you know, Trump focused, and they were focused. He focused a lot on Wisconsin. Yes, and they were saying how I do know about that. Yes, as so, yeah. so he was talking about that, and he was saying so this election, he goes well. You know, he goes, the Democrats, unless they bring a mass of new voters, which they probably won't, mm-hmm. he goes, so, and he, you know, so they were talking about how the Democrats could hope to win, but, mm-hmm. he, but the guy was saying, but ultimately, he goes, mm. he goes, it ain't looking too good, right? Yeah. <laughs> he kind of was like, it ain't looking too good. But you said something really important, though, which is like Barack Obama didn't run for any other reason outside for, uh, of him being an outsider, right? Because when I was listening to a report on by the on the Daily, which is another like podcast yep, by the yep, New York Times, yep. amazing, love uh, Michael. Michael, um, basically, he goes. Um, the person that they invite on there says like Barack Obama won Wisconsin back when he ran, and yes. Um, yes. and w- when he's like, when you look at it, it wasn't like the big cities where it was a lot of young people. He even run like the outside cities, right? And uh, part of the biggest reason why he won it was because people really resonated with him, and it was and it was white people yes. who resonated with him, right? Yes. Um, so in this upcoming election, it's going to be very important that. Um, Democrats go ahead and win a, a, a state, and electorally speaking, yes. um, like like Wisconsin. Yes, um, and I'm interested. I think the one thing that in 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 politics that can kind of trump everything, um, pardon the, the pun, you know, but I think the one thing Barack Obama really had going for him was he really he seemed to be someone of a high character mm-hmm. and i think in politics that's the one thing that can get people that can sway people right it, because the policy is not doing it but if people look at you and they just think you're a genuinely good person, good person right who's will, who wants to do the right thing which we, we don't i don't think we see that like yeah. people don't look at I, I you know i, I know she gets a, a lot of rap for a lot of different reasons but people don't look at Hillary and go, oh, she's a great person. Yeah, like, no, that's real. A lot of like, her fans do. Yeah. Because I have friends of her who are huge Hillary fans. They're going down the hill. <laughs> a, a friend of mine took me. I met her. Oh, like, wow, We went okay. to go meet her uh, in Iowa. Um, and, and, you know, nice lady. You know, uh, very, very personable in person. You know, she... She's she knows politics. She knows yeah. how to turn it on and mm-hmm. be, that, be that grandma now. You know, grandma. You know, but... Hmm, I don't look at her yeah. and go... She's a really nice person. And you know somebody else that you could say that for, even though I think they're a nice person or a good person? AOC. AOC? Because I think that Barack Obama was like the perfect guy. Right? You know, white people and black people really, really like them, right? Um, Young people and women and specifically young people of color and women of color really like AOC. The same can't be said about 
folks on the other side, right? Yeah. People look at AOC like she just wants to come into Washington and just yeah. rumble up feathers and she wants to do this and she holds people accountable. We don't need, and then her being a woman, a Latinx woman, you know, even rubs their feathers even, even more wrong. <laughs> right. Because it's just like, that's another thing that you can argue, right? Part of Barack Obama's appeal was that he was a man. Oh, for sure. You know, oh, sure. um, and you know, our society grappling with the idea of like, are we ready to let women lead finally yeah. after a century? Yeah. Right. Like, I think like that's one of the longest struggles of like on this planet, right? Is yeah. the dynamic between like cis hetero men and women. You know what I'm yeah. trying to say? And like men giving up on the patriarchy and saying like, we will allow women, right? Allow. And now I'm using air quotes. Please don't. Right. Kill right. Me. But you know, yeah, yeah but allow women to yeah. like finally lead us. So, yeah. um, but she's another example of like someone where I would love to see run for president, oh, but I don't know if she could win because yeah. she would definitely have my vote and a lot of people who look like me and think like me vote. But as far as there's going to be old, nasty <laughs> white people who don't want to see, you know, people yeah. of color be and women of color being there. I mean, once again, we perfect examples. Donald Trump literally calling out the four women oh, of color, God. you know, that have been stepping up and trying to hold folks accountable. It's like, ah, you know, the one thing that bothers, I think that bothers me necessarily even more. And this is the thing, like, I always post because friends always joke about me running for office. Mm. And, like, I'll joke about it sometimes. And it's funny because I had a housewarming party uh-huh. that was, like, a book sharing, whatever. And I, I meant to hide these. I didn't. So I actually have these b- a bunch of books about running for office. Oh, where? Like, about years ago. They were like, yo. Right? They were like, oh, Dion's <laughs> finally about to do it. <laughs> they said, look, there's proof. There's proof. And I was like, yo, I bought those years. I was still in the army when I bought those. Oh, where? Like, chill right, out. Right. Chill out. Um, and, and, you know, and the, the thing that really irritates me, and I, I, I think about this because the other day I said something very similar on Facebook. I'm like, oh, I was doing the Mueller, the Mueller investigation, okay. right? I said, you know, I didn't watch it. I was at work. Um, and I was like, what's the highlights or whatever? I said, see, this is why I couldn't be in Washington because mm. I'll be like, look, let's cut the bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> like, look right at him, cut the bullshit. Damn up, did it. Did he, did he break the law? I don't care whether you can indict him. I was up all that. Did he break the law? In your opinion, yes or no? That's not a. You say anything other than why? Or, I want his shit. I don't want <laughs> right? na- Nathan. Nathan. And then he'll be sitting there like, uh. Yeah. And that answers your question for and, you exactly. It's easy you know? to say no, and that's not the way they do business in nope. Washington, right? Nope. And the thing that irritates me more than Trump saying something like "Go back where you come from" is that every. Should have been on TV all night. The, the fuck he say? <laughs> it's just been one clip after another. The fuck he say? The fuck he say? The fuck he? Oh, uh, you know nah, that should have been running. And on they kind of sit back, and then yeah, they'll do their statements like, "Oh, you know, it, it's very unsavory." The things, he, no fuck that. Yeah, you know yeah. It was. Oh, I think man. somebody was talking about it. How like only two outlets had just flat out called it racist, yeah. which was like CNN and like yeah. some other posts, but everyone else was like. President uses president uses you know unflattering words yeah. and, and then you know Nancy Pelosi brought it up into you know on, in the house and she used the word you know racist language and all the you know conservative folks in the room was like take it back <laughs> you can't use that word in the in the house blah, blah, blah. and it's just like yo I used you know to be a huge Nancy Pelosi fan yeah we can we can talk about her and now <laughs> she strikes me as like just the like too little too late train like, yeah a little too late a and, little too little too and late. this is also something kind of like going on with like and bringing it back to the whole conversation about black men right um i think and i'm and gonna tie it back to nancy pelosi but black men have always been men before black and we've somehow managed to do black women to being women 
before, I mean, being black before women. Yeah. And so in that same vein, I bring that up to say like Nancy Pelosi is an example of like white women always being white before being women. You know what I'm trying to say? And yeah. So um, just people of color, women of color will always be women yeah. before their race. You know what I'm trying to yeah. say? And so pretty much I say all I have to say, Nancy Pelosi is comfortable being a woman when it's beneficial for her. Right. But when it doesn't come, when it's not beneficial for her, she's white. Yeah. You know what I'm trying to yeah, say? She's exactly, white. Yeah. Um, and so when, you know, AOC, uh, Elon Omar were like, yo, we need to keep folks accountable. We need to do this. She's like, Eh, you know what I'm trying to say? I don't want to do all of that. And then you know, it was, oh, it was all that internal riff. I love that. I don't want to do all that. I don't want to do all of that. Like, it was all that internal riff or whatever. And then as soon as Donald Trump was just like, you know, pretty much F y'all women, then it was just like, oh, wait, wait, wait. This yeah, is an opportunity said. for me to be buddy-buddy with these girls again. Right. But how do I keep these women in line yeah. to help me do what I want to accomplish without ruffling too many white feathers? Pretty pretty much is what it is. Yeah. Um, and so it was just really, really interesting to see um, how, like, yeah, I, I was I was with her for a minute, but I'm not and, I'm not rocking with her like and that. And therein lies one of the, 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 the problems with, gov- with politics in mm-hmm. America the government, the way it, it functions now, because like there was this call for Pelosi to step down. Mm. Everyone goes, well, no, but she know, you know, she has such, such knowledge. And it's funny because this is this is similar to like the to, to where to to the line of work I do, mm-hmm. right? And the line of work that that we you know this we function in. Uh, you have these young, energetic people mm-hmm. who who have a lot of great ideas, who who are forward thinking, who can make very good leaders, right? Even in their, you know, inexperience, right? They they, they want to push, push forward. And everyone's like, no, because Nancy, she knows how to do, right? Nan- the, in, in a perfect world, right? If Nancy, right, really wanted to see forward progress, it'd be like, you know what? Here's what I'll do. I'm up this seat. I'll be an advisor. I'll help you, right? I'll share my... No, she wants the whole fucking power. She wants to be the one. Because that's what they do in D.C. Ego. <laughs> Just the ego whole will be, power. Ego is the reason why we're still where it we are It ain't like today. we told her to go to a pasture somewhere. Nancy, come here. Right, the front seat is here. You're in the driver's seat. We just want you to sit in the back passenger yeah. seat, right? Right, and and, and kind of help drive the car, right? Navigate. But you know what I'm saying? You've yeah. had a career. You've had a whole. You've had a career. Whole career. Let these three, three, four women who just literally got started had a time to shine. Yeah, she, she ain't feeling that. She not. <laughs> she because you know that. what happens is when she finally does budge, yeah. and everything that these other four women are trying to do actually comes to pass. She wants her name to be there. You know what I'm trying to say. She wants to be on the right side of, yeah, history. Not understanding that like your name doesn't have to be there. Because don't worry, your little grandkids and those who come after that will be able to reap the benefits, right? right. Because those women aren't just fighting for those their people. They're fighting for everybody, yeah. right? Yes. And it reminds because I, I did a workshop yesterday on the youth ladder of engagement, and we were having these conversations about uh, youth being engaged in, in advocacy and activism with nonprofits and such, you know, nonprofits that are longstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what their role should be and how you increase that right but at what point you know what's the perfect mix and if if you look at the classic uh ladder of engagement uh that was written by roger hart i think it is he puts full control by youth beneath an equitable relationship between youth and adults Mm -hmm. and there was actually discussion about why that is and in some ladders now that switch right where the youth completely run everything and the, the adults are at like just a supportive role 
And so in his, uh, you know, uh, assessment, he goes, well, I think the best relationship is when youth are initiating everything. They're making decisions, but the decision making is shared with adults because adults have knowledge through experience that they can share. Mm -hmm. Right. Say, well, maybe this uh, maybe this little bit of knowledge will help mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. To, to do this better. And then, the, you know, which happens all the time, right? We work with youth and they're, they're doing a lot of things. We say, yo, do this. Yes. And then that one little bit, that one little tip was like, fuck, yes. And that, and, and right, and I don't need my name on that. I do don't. you all, you know? And it's interesting because uh, it really makes me think about uh, when I was at Morrill, you know? Okay. And the kids were doing their town hall and they're making, you know, and they're asking me questions. I'm like, that decision is your decision to make, you know, which kind of goes back to when <laughs> the issue they had with the alderman, <laughs> you know, I don't know if I ever told you about that, but the alderman uh, ended up very, very angry at me. Mm. And it, I said, well, I had nothing to do with that. Yeah. The, the, the youth asked me a question. I said, that is your decision to make. Yeah. This is your show. Yeah. Right. And when the news cameras came, so we want to interview you. I said, why do you want to interview me for? I said, no, you interview them. Right. This is their thing. Right. Now, if they say something out of pocket, I'm like, oh. Don't say that. Don't say that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care, right? That one little tip that's gonna save the day. But this is not my, you know, this is not my time to shine. People need to understand when to be the guy and when to pass that. And mic. when to pass that. And a lot mic. of people don't want to pass the mic because they see them lights, see them cameras, and they like, hey, I don't, it what's don't have, up? Right? And it doesn't have, it's not about you. It's when, not about when you, especially when you get into politics. Public service is never about you. If you want to get into public service and make it about yourself, <laughs> you about to run. Your, you run yourself right out of watch. Get back on that train. Get back on that train. <laughs> but I mean, that's the honest to God. And it seems like the simplest idea because it literally is called public servant, you know. But for whatever reason, people just like, oh, if I get into this, I get an award from the president. Oh, if I get in this, this person will know me. Like, oh man, I'm sign me up. And they never want to do any of the work. It's, yeah, it's so interesting. Um, I, I I don't know. I, I never know, especially because, like I said, I don't know anything about politics. Mm. Anybody who asks me, I'm like, I don't know nothing about politics. What do you know about politics? I know what I'm supposed to know. <laughs> I know enough. I know. I know we've been the voter for years. Yeah. I, I know I got an alderman. There's a mayor. There's a city. You know, I always tell people I know very little, mm-hmm. despite what I may or may not know. Because I'm always trying to learn. And, and sometimes it's just things I don't understand. Yeah. Right? And uh, it's just interesting how our... our it, it, no one likes it. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing I don't get. No one likes our government. Very few people. The only people who like it are the ones who kind of rich off of it. Yeah. Um, no one likes the government. No one trusts the government. No one trusts politicians. And yet, you know, at, still... at no point in my life would you see me sit in this chair with shit on my bottom. <laughs> Like, yo, I got, I got shit in my pants. Yeah. I don't like it. <laughs> Could you imagine sitting there yeah, like, yo, you see, you know, I got shit in my pants. And not doing anything about it. I don't it. like it. Like, it stinks. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. I'm getting a rash. I'm getting a rash. <laughs> I'm just going to sit here. I'm just going to sit here and just chill. <laughs> but that's our government. Yeah. I don't understand it. But we don't. I mean, you, you know. The government, like, and that, that is more so a conversation about the system, right? The system. Of, especially capitalism. Oh, it was just, just like the idea that like, hey, I actually, so, you know, I interviewed you for, you know, the Obama Foundation. Yes. And one of the common themes that everyone, three out of the four people, yourself included, um, had mentioned about what needs to be improved or like what will help liberate, you know, your community, whatever that looks like for you, is financial freedom. And one of them specifically said, because of financial restraint, a lot of people don't have the 
privilege to even understand what the government does and what because they try to try to pay their bills. They try to pay their bills. You know what I'm trying to say? Absolutely. And, 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 Absolutely. and capitalism tells you you pay your bills to live in that to you pay use your your money mm-hmm. to pay for a house you never really be in. Mm-hmm. Sit in the car that you really never been. You spend so many of your hours at work just to keep up a place for your family that you really don't even get to enjoy. And it's like this never ending cycle. And you just stay so busy trying to keep up with that, that you just never even be like, I don't care who's the president. Oh, the president sure. got sh- nothing to do with nothing me. Nothing to do with this level. Right? You know what I'm trying to say? Oh, like, sure. I see them people struggling, but I'm struggling too. too. Absolutely. I'm supposed to care about the people at the border. I can't put food on the table for my family. Mm. What do you want me to do about it, mm. right? And it's because we give us our financial freedom, and I guarantee you, it'll be some, it'll be rocking. Oh, you sure. know what I'm saying? It'll be yeah. rocking, and they know that that it, that that's the outcome. Yeah. Think about it. I mean, I don't want to speak too much because I'm not down there in Puerto Rico, but it's almost what you were saying. People got sitting tired of sitting in their own shit, yeah. and was like, I ain't got nothing else to lose. None. Let me get up out here and start protesting. We all got this collective consciousness, which is another thing that my, my body was talking about. This collective consciousness. Yes. Yeah. We ain't got nothing else to lose. Let's just get out here and just run this motherfucker out. Oh, for sure. You know what I'm trying for to say? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We ain't got no money. Man. We ain't got no. We were spending a whole year with no electricity. Oof, we had, you know, almost 3,000 people die in this tragedy. Like, we literally have nothing left yeah, yeah. except for our voices. Let's use it. You know what I'm trying to say? But at the United States, they give us enough. To keep all this stuff moving, yeah. but not enough to actually flip to some tables. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. Um, I, I've read, um, like, I guess American workers get, like, the least amount of, like, vacation time. Mm-hmm. And, and then couple that with, like, pay. Most people don't get to leave the country. And it's funny because I've, I've had the opportunity to live, right, abroad, in, in abroad a little bit. And uh, just living in Germany for a year and a half. Mm. I remember when I came back, I was like, y'all motherfuckers know how they do business out there. We'd all defect. Mm. <laughs> We'd all just be like, let's just charter plane. Let's go to Germany and let's start over. Because it, it's different, you know, it's different how they how the, the people interact with the government, which has changed over the years, right? Because that was right when um, Merkel was just coming in. Actually, I don't even think she came in office after I left in Germany. So it was kind of when, um, uh, was it Schroeder? The person before Merkel was still in office and he was kind of getting, you know, he, his his popularity was nose diving and it was very clear he was coming out. Mm. Um, so things have changed there for sure. But just like, you know, people being able to go to the hospital and, and not, you know, not breaking their bank. Mm. Um, people having vacation time. Um, your job paying for your schooling, mm-hmm. which I never could understand their education. It took me years to understand their education mm. system. I'm like, wait, wait. So how does this work? And they're like, well, like, and my friend said, well, for you Americans, it'll be like, you get your bachelor's, right? I'm like, okay. She goes, but it's really not like quite a bachelor's. She goes, but then you go get a job. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. She goes, and then your job will send you to school to get what may be the equivalent of oh, a master's, master's, right? Okay. That's now their responsibility mm-hmm. as you know this this thing and she kind of explained and it took me years to, and i still don't 100 you mm-hmm. know but i'm like wait 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 i'm not paying for them she's like no they pay for it for you and then going to school here is not like you're not paying hundreds of thousands of dollars mm-hmm. like in america you know like that's crazy they always be like crazy <laughs> people always say in america it's so crazy and i'm like they're right <laughs> no word yo what i found right. out that like <laughs> Because America does this amazing job at making us feel elite. I remember a couple oh, years ago when I was man. younger, uh, probably still like just getting just getting ready to graduate high school. I was really big on Tumblr at the time, and it was like this like post about like 
people living in Germany and like black people living in Germany and like they were living their best lives or whatever. And I was like, oh my goodness, they look like me and they like the things I like, except for it's just in a different country. And I was like, oh my gosh. It was like almost like the blinders being lifted up. Like <laughs> America's not the greatest. Like there's people oh. who live just as well as Americans, if not better. Better. What? Better. What? <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? Like, huh? Better. You know what I'm trying to say? Like literally just upstairs in Canada. Like, wait, what? Like that's a thing. But like America makes you feel like, yo, like. These other places are nice for traveling, yeah. but never want to set up a life there. And, like, I've been playing around with the idea of, like, what country, because, honestly, it's not all that great for black people in in, in America. Yeah. So, what other country can I live in that will treat black people at least somewhat decently? Somewhat you know decent. what I'm trying to say? So, I've been, like, playing around with the idea of, like, moving to Sweden or something like that. Oh, or, yeah. you know, somewhere just super away from here. Yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? And, like decent healthcare and like they actually care about their citizens yeah what's them um what, what was the name of the country um in the Christchurch, where the governor or the prime minister um it was where the shooting had happened um at the two mosques i'm forgetting the name of the country but it was in Christchurch. oh um, i'm not sure yeah but i was just like super impressed yeah with the way the prime minister like the, and like like swiftly you know what i'm yeah. trying to say we haven't heard anything about any gun anything since oh, you know what i'm trying to say i was like i literally immediately was like how are black people treated in this country <laughs> because because I, at least i don't gotta worry about somebody like literally pulling up and killing me right yes, you know what i'm trying yeah. to say or like having a prime minister say hey i'm this white woman right but we have a very strong loving community of folks who practice islam are muslim and i'm gonna stand up for them as if they were my own you know i'm like that's, that was my brother that i lost you know what i'm trying to say I was super impressed, right? And the fact that there was a prime minister was a woman, and like it's not a big deal. You yes. know what I'm trying to say? Oh. Let a woman be oh. the president yes. of the United States, right? You know what I'm trying to say? It'd be the biggest deal. And it should be a big deal, right? Because in the United States, we don't respect women. But at the same time, the simple fact that we've still gone almost two, two, or actually more than 200 plus years in this country, and we still have not had a woman you know, be president, and we've only had one person who wasn't white. Don't we always try to present ourselves as these great progressives in the world? And we're not, and we're just so we're really not. <laughs> we're you so know, not. like we, we're like People we're like, corny. The United States is corny, bro. Like you know, it's amazing because, but that kind of goes back to what you're saying. Uh, a lot of people, right, who who would really benefit from that knowledge don't have the time or the capacity mm-hmm. to gain it, yeah. right? They just, they don't have time to know these things, to read these things, so they're told, right, America is the best place yeah. ever, and we're, and, you know. You take it at face value. What? You know, and it's funny, there's, there's this clip that's super popular on YouTube. I don't know what show it's from, but they ask, you know, a girl asks these, like, panel, why is America the greatest country in the mm-hmm. world? And finally, the dude's like, it's not. It's not. It's not. We don't. We. What do we lead in? Mm-hmm. Right. And literally, literally nothing. <laughs> literally in? nothing. Um. Fun. Funny. Like military just like, spending. That's it. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> United States out of all OCIO countries, which is pretty much every developed once again air quote uh, nations, we spend the most, and we don't come out on top in terms of um health outcomes. We spend the most in healthcare, but we don't come out on top in terms of health because the United States pretty much is just like. We just got, they've just done a really good job of putting blinders on people's eyes. I have a really cringy story, which I hopefully don't regret telling after it's done. But <laughs> my dad has a buddy of his who uh, was like high office in Nigeria. And so when he came to the United States, he was just like, yo, like, can you take me to like South Shore? Okay. He really wanted to see what South Shore looked like because he he basically was like, America has this idea of like, we're the most greatest country. Um, 
we look beautiful, the country is beautiful. And he was like, he was like, I want to go to South Shore because I really want to see how every part of the country lives. Yeah. And he, he was he was appalled. He was like, there's places in Nigeria. He was like, well, I live in Nigeria is much better than South Shore. You know what I'm trying to say? He, he literally, basically, South Shore, he wanted to go to South Shore to be like, live life on the edge. Basically, yes. he had yeah. heard all these terrible things. He wanted about to see. And he wanted to see for himself, like, are they really living that like for bad sure. out there? And when he saw what it was, he was like, yo. For sure. Where I'm staying at in Nigeria is a lot better than what y'all living in the South Shore. But they never show that picture, right? But when they show Nigeria, they show people. I remember how many times I was made fun of growing up when I had told friends I just came back from Nigeria. They were like, so they wear underwear out there, right? You know what I'm trying to say? They got clothes, right? You know what I'm trying to say? Because United States, when they show Africa specifically, and I hate speaking about it as this monolithic place, but when they show Africa, it's this jungle. It's Tarzan. Right? Tarzan is a white dude. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, it's a movie about a white dude living in the jungle, but like in in, in draws. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, do people eat food out there? Like, y'all eat what y'all eat? You know what I'm trying to say? All these type of things. My uncle come to South Shore, he was like, it's the slums out here. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, it's it's, it's no different. That, that reminds me of, a, and I was not here, I was not there for this story. I, someone else told it to me, and it had, just, it had me dying, though. Mm-hmm. And it was basically this this guy, I, I won't name names and such, but he's a he's a Olympian. Okay. Um, I want to say also from Nigeria, but I'm horrible. Okay. Right? So I'm sure, like, I'm trying to think. Um, but he, he's, he's from a, a country in Africa. Yeah. Right? And so someone kind of says, like, oh, what was it like where you grew up? You know, like you know, kind of like these kind of questions uh-huh. like, that are kind of portraying microaggressions, like, right? Like it's, it's you. <laughs> he goes, and, you know, someone said like he kind of looked at him was like, you mean like you know having to fight the tigers off, me and my spear, you know, hunting, yeah. and, you know, whatever. And he's kind of going on, and uh-huh. he's, everyone's just kind of like cringing, like it's very cringy the way he's like. He goes, I grew up in a city bigger than Chicago, you asshole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like. Like these huge, what they are, they're huge, yeah. you know, cities with cars, yeah. buildings, like, what is, what is wrong with you? And he said, you know, he said he was joking, he was kind of joshing the guy, uh-huh. but people, at the sad part, I'm like, people don't know, though. People don't know. Because they look on TV. And they and we, portray it one way, <laughs> and then you look at the United States, and they only show you the loop. The right. And they I mean, don't. They don't tell you they struggling over there on oh, the south side, and this you know thing, what I'm trying to say? Like, I tell people, um... Like, you know, because I, I love the city. I'm always out and about. My friends know this. Mm-hmm. So when people come visit, you know, they'll be like, oh, would you show me around? I'm like, if you mean show you the loot, no. No. But that's not that's not the real Chicago. I'll, right. I'll take you to Cassania. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I love that go. place in Inglewood. Um, if I can, right, because just their hours, I'll take you to build. I love cafes. Okay. So I'll take you to build coffee right over here where uh, Blackstone Bikes is. Okay. Right? So that's right here in Woodlawn still. Um, you know, we'll go to the South Shore. There's some good, you know, we can go to uh, uh, Soul Veg. You know, then I'll take it to Rogers Park, right? We'll go see Rogers Park. We'll go see Austin, right? It's got some beautiful stuff out there, but I want you to see the city. Yeah, I want I you to, for real. To, for real, because the loop, the loop is great to go to, yeah. sure. But that, to me, that's not even a real city. That's yeah. like fucking Disney World, right? Word. That's where they plunked all their money in where they were saying, screw everybody else. And you need to go see how the rest of those people, because those are still beautiful communities. Yeah. I love going to Austin. I bike to Austin all the time. And I'll usually go straight through because Oak Park has a uh, Cold Stone. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I go straight through, get my Cold Stone, come on back, you know, but but you got to see the city. Yeah, for There's real, so for what it people, actually is. You know, I love seeing, because I'm downtown so much, and I love seeing, like, people who are obviously um, visiting, mm-hmm. you know, obviously tourists. 
And you could just tell, like, they're uncomfortable. They're uncomfortable with the diversity of downtown. Mm. You could just see it, right? You just see, like, oh god, you know what's going on here? I'm like, yo, you really don't want to go see. Yeah, <laughs> you don't want to go see anywhere else. Yeah, if just making. You... And they don't. You know, they want to see Navy Pier. They want to see the Bean, and that's fine. That's it. But that's not to me. Literally, that's not real yeah, that's not Chicago. G. That's, that's you know, it's just a glorified shopping like strip. You know, when I yeah. think of Magnificent Mile and. I don't, I don't, I, it's really funny because when I was at UIC, I don't, I can't even tell you how much time I spent yeah. there because I just never went there. Yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? I never really yeah. spent too much time on the Mag Mile. Like, honestly, the only reason why I even be, ended up becoming familiar was because after graduation, I was working in the Loop, right? Yes. Yeah. Stayed in Monroe, which is only, a, you know, a couple, two blocks, you know, away from Michigan. So because of that, I kind of got more familiar with that area. But like mo- most of my things, just, I know the west side of Chicago pretty well just because of UIC and yeah. hanging out in Pilsen and the community. Like that, so so it's like you know, go get food and pills, and that's the thing. Like people don't know. You're hanging out with you, and like you exposed me to the the, uh, elementary school that we were, you know, volunteering at, and all that type of stuff. So it's just like, yeah, and that's that's what Chicago means to me. That's what it looks like to me. And that's what like someone someone asked me to a friend of mine. She actually came and visited, and she was like, "Why you love Chicago so much?" Mm. I'm like, man, I'm like the culture, Mm -hmm. it's the the people. But I'm like, what I really love is the culture Mm. more than anything, right? The fact that you can go to these different places, they feel different. Yeah, they look yes. different. Um, you can, if you want to get Polish food cooked by a Polish person, you can do that. You can get it here. If you want to go get Mexican food cooked by a Mexican person, you can go do that. You want to get Chinese food actually cooked by a Chinese person, yeah. you can go do that. Right. You want to go and get Vietnamese food, and you look in the kitchen, and they all looking like what the fuck you looking at, yeah. and like, and but they're from Vietnam. Yeah. You can do that here, and that to me is what makes Chicago so amazing, yeah. right? And it's just like, I mean, we have a lot of problems, yeah. um, mostly because if you want to go to where those Vietnamese people, are, <laughs> you can go and like, you can go and it's like ninety percent up in the whole city in one little place, yeah. The you know the Puerto Rican people are like ninety percent in one little yeah. place. We got some issues, but like just the culture of the city and the people is yeah. amazing. Like going to Chinatown to me is like always the best thing. I yeah, because it's like oh, it's like it's straight Chinese people. Yeah. You know, like this is cool to me. It's cool, cool as, hell. as hell. Yeah, you know. And so, um, yeah. So you brought up um, the Obama Foundation. Yeah, let's talk about the Obama Foundation. Yes, the so, Obama Foundation. Tell me about the Obama. <laughs> so you are a what's, what's the title? Uh, so I am a community leadership core member. So it's a CLC. So it was started last year. I think that I'm a part of the second cohort. So yeah. it's super brand new. The first cohort was a lot different than what it looks like now. So I know that that's like the the plus of being part of a program this early is like saying like I'm one of the original yeah. you know, folks there. But the, the hard part is like as it's growing and learning, I have to like be okay with that. Right. So there's like figuring just the, yeah, figuring out everything. And um, I think that there's still some issues with it that they're still trying to iron out but i mean it's a great opportunity i mean um it has me doing a lot of things i wouldn't have done on my own which Mm -hmm. i think are important which is like the conversation you and i had uh, back there along with the conversations i had with the other three people i had to interview um and it just was like like a lot of programming too and a lot of deliberate programming so um how did you get involved with that so how did i get involved with that um i was at a weird place in my life where i was feeling really stuck so uh just a really quick rundown um, I had graduated from UIC in 2018 and uh, May 2018 and shortly after or shortly before graduation, I found out I was admitted into a cancer research program at Northwestern UIC 
and um, Northeastern. It was a collaborative between those three institutions. Okay. Um, and so it was an eight-week summer program, and I was able to, like, you know, network with, you know, doctors, researchers, all those type of people. And so while um, at the program, I had an opportunity to interview with um, an investment consulting firm. Um, I don't know if they're going to ever hear this, so I'm not going to name them. We have the name, right. Yeah. right but, I, you know, I was working with an <laughs> investment consulting firm, and I did that for about eight months or okay. so. Um, and, you know, I want to say probably by month, well, it's actually really funny. So my first week, I knew I wasn't going to be there for very long because oh, okay. there's a really funny story. I swear this is true. I'm literally sitting at my desk. Um, everyone's gone. I'm like, I'm really just trying to, you know, you start a new job. You don't want to ruffle no feathers. So I was like, I came in at 845. I have to leave at five. You know, you don't want to, you know, leave too early or whatever. So everybody around me had left at 445 because I guess they came earlier. Um, and it was just me and the um, admin, someone from the admin team. Um, and she walks up to my desk and I'm literally like just playing, doing nothing. Because it's my first week, so I had nothing to do. And I'm yeah. just playing, you know, at my desk doing whatever. Um, and she walks up to me and she gives me, you know, an envelope. And literally as she walks up to me and giving me this envelope, I'm like, yo, I need to start planning my way out of here. Like, I hate it here. I can't do it. You know, I'm the only black person. I got to plan. I got to gotta get up out of here. And so she taps me on her shoulder and I'm like, oh, well, like, what's up? She you know, you know, calls me back to reality and it's an envelope. And inside an envelope is my first check. And I look around, I was like, you know what? I think I could do this. Like, I think, I think I'm going to be all right. You know what I'm trying to say? You're liking it. You're liking it. I'm, I like it now. You know what I'm trying to say? I see the first check. I was like, I could do this. I, I could do this. Um, But yeah, I, I want to say I was faking it. Um, And after, you know, I mean, anybody with money will tell you that after a certain amount, it's kind of like, yo, I don't, I don't need this much money. I'm super young right now. I need to figure out what I want to do with my life. And I got to sacrifice that for money. I ain't got no wife. I ain't got no kids. It's the time to do it now. So. Um, I want to say about five months in, I was feeling stuck and I was like, yo, I need to do something with my life. So I literally hop on Google and I just start looking for opportunities. So namely, uh, there's a program called Chicago 200, which was uh, sponsored by the Chicago Community Trust. I applied okay. to that program. It was like a little two day, three day thing where they invited a bunch of young people from Chicago to be in the space to network um, and just really try to re-envision what Chicago would look like when it turns 200 years old. That was a great opportunity. Met a lot of great homies there that I still keep up with today, which a lot of them ended up matriculating into the Obama Foundation, which brings me to my second point. I applied to the Obama Foundation, gratefully uh, got into that. And then I also applied to a program out in the University of Minnesota, which saw them like pay for my hotel and food and exposed me to an MBA program and told me if I'm interested in applying, I can apply to it for free of charge with the application. Um, So I applied to those three programs and then I also applied to my new job. So God was really working in my life. Everything I applied to, I got accepted or got the job or whatever. So like- So how old are you? uh, 23. Yeah, so I was dead beat when I was twenty three. <laughs> so like you know, all glory to God. Like I was able to uh, get in and into all those programs. But yeah, uh, and that's pretty much how I got into the Obama Foundation. Literally, um, I had a friend of mine who was part of the first cohort. Well, I had a friend of a friend who was a part of the first cohort. I reached out to her, asked her, you know, how did she do feel about it, and asked her about her application um, and all that other stuff. Uh, shout out to my homegirl, uh, Kristen, because she was the one who helped me look over. She ends up listening to this. She's going to be mad if I don't mention her. It's oh, for sure. Part of the reason we'll why I got it. it. Yeah. We'll make sure she so, listens. Yeah, right. uh, so she helped me a lot with my application. But yeah, I pretty much applied to Obama Foundation. Um, I got in and pretty much, yeah, what we're tasked with doing is uh, being in small groups and spending the next six or so months creating and developing a community project in which the Obama Foundation will fund up to $1,000. Um, and it after we do that program requirement, it's 
up to us and our team members to either decide to continue with it or we can say we appreciate the opportunity and we'll walk away from it. Um, but most importantly, we'll be indoctrinated into the Obama Foundation's like, you know, network. Yeah. Um, and it's something that we can always say that we were a part of mm-hmm. and, you know, using inter- interviews, emails, that type of thing, introductions, great so on and so forth. So, yeah, great opportunity. So I'm grateful for it. Um, and like it's just like a lot of programming. So after this, um, there's like a, um, a cohort uh, mix and mingle type thing so just another opportunity for me to like get to know people in our cohort and you know just really see what's out there and who you know who's like you know thinking of the greatest ideas and how i can help them out with that and vice versa nice yeah i was a dead view when i swear to God. <laughs> i was i was in the army but i still was a dead view. i wasn't doing nothing man i was like i look at you cats now like young young guys like yourself you know and, and i'm i come through so many mm-hmm. you know in the in the advocacy spectrum I'm okay like, damn it i was Deadbeat. <laughs> Better late than never. I wasn't doing nothing with my life, right? It's, it's good though. It's, it's, yeah. it's excellent to see. Um, so so we met. Okay, so you went to UIC. Yeah. What was your What was your major? Yeah. So I was. I thought I was going to medical school. So I walked in as a biochemistry major, but for whatever reason, I knew. Deep, deep down, I didn't want to go to med school for any other reason but making my mama happy. You know what I'm trying uh-huh. to say? I'm first generation. I'm the eldest son. Your parents sacrificed so much to come to this country. You don't want to disappoint them. So, you know, I oftentimes lie and was just like, oh, since I was a young kid, I wanted to, like, no, in reality, when people would be like, hey, Sam, what do you want to be when you grow up? My mom would interject and be like, you going to be a doctor. I'm looking at my mom. So when people started asking me that question when my mom wasn't around, I was like, I was told I'm going to be a doctor. So I guess that's what I want to do. Um, but, you know, in the reality, I've always wanted to do, I mean, I, I mean, things I seriously, not seriously, but playfully grew up thinking I wanted to do was like president, of course. I think yeah. every kid wanted to be president at some point. Um, and just like a creative person, right? Um, so um, I knew deep down that that wasn't for me. So I actually went to Case Western Medical School my sophomore, end of my sophomore year going into my junior year um, and was able to shadow doctors. So that was also another summer program I did. I was able to shadow doctors for 10 hours and it was brain surgery that I was able to see. And I was actually able to be in the room as these group of surgeons were removing a tumor out of someone's brain. And here I was half sleep, literally sleeping, standing up. <laughs> And sneaking out early because I just couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And so I go back to the group of my peers and they're like, yo, like, what, like, what you do today? I was like, yeah, it was like brain surgery. They're removing a tumor. I fell asleep. They're like, oh my gosh, you fell asleep? <laughs> and I'm like, if y'all this excited about this and y'all I'm not, y'all. I ain't supposed to be here. You right. know, shout out to y'all, but I'm not supposed to See, be here. That to me was the most fascinating thing ever. I would have been like, what do I get to do this? Nah. How much school I got to go nope. to? Nope. Like, oh, <laughs> let's talk about that. When they was breaking down how much medical school oh, cost, oh no, I was like, yo, no. I am not but willing to go. Wait, wait, wait. But if you're a brain surgeon, you can pay it. You can pay them loans. I don't know how yeah, much but I didn't want to be a brain surgeon. I, <laughs> I want to be a pediatrician. You, I don't know how much a brain they surgeon. They phasing them out. But I'm always <laughs> Like, go to PA school or become a nurse practitioner if you want to do pe- pediatrics. Like, yeah. for real, for real. Like, they're okay. literally phasing out. They're like, why am I paying 100 k to do a job that I can get the nurse practitioner or the PA, which oh. is position assist- assistant to do? So, like, they're practically phasing them out, right? Yeah. So, if you go to school for pediatrics, you ain't going to make no- If you go to school for pediatrics, you ain't going to make no money. <laughs> you better pick up a specialty. I'm letting you know right <laughs> now. All my future doctors pick up a specialty. That's my best advice okay. to you. Okay, but, okay. I like that. But, yo, I found out in that program how expensive it was, and everybody was just like... Bring on the loans. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. Y'all can keep them little dirty loans. I don't want them. 
I don't want to. I'm being associated. I love it. Everybody in the room was like, not scared. And I'm like, y'all are willing to go it's into depth dirty. for this? Nah, y'all so passionate and I'm not feeling this. Nah, keep them. I love it. Keep them. Nah, uh, for real. Like, so that's like, so, but during that program, I was exposed to public health. Okay. So yes. the following summer, no, so let me reverse before I jump into the following summer. So after I finished up that program, right. while I was in that program, I submitted an application. God be working in my life. All right. Um, I submitted an application for this program called UPPF, which is the Urban Public Policy Fellowship. Oh, and nice. I remember after I was accepted, the woman, shout out to her. Um, Miss Nava, uh, she's no longer with the program, but shout out to her. Um, she was like, okay, Sam, I really need you to figure out what you want your thing to be about. And I was at that point where I had recently just, so I went after the program was over, I was like, I'm not going to med school no more. I switched my major to economics. Um, and so I was in this weird place where I just fixed, fixed my, ma- um, major, but I still wasn't confident enough to tell my mom I want to go to med school. So I was still trying to hold on to the dream as little, as, as much as I could, um, <laughs> And so basically what ends up happening was um, she calls me and was just like, okay, I did all the program requirements and stuff like that. So she's like, now you need to figure out where you're going to be at. And she was like, and I was, she was like, I'll give you a couple of days to think about it. And I was stuck between finding an agency for gun violence and stuck between finding something that will let me do like lab research or whatever. And I remember waking up that morning and reading a Chicago Tribune article that had said like some... 10 or 12 people were like killed in a matter of hours over the weekend in Chicago. And I was like, my decision's made. I literally sent her, you know, an email. I was like, yo, I want to do something with gun violence. You know what I'm trying to say? And literally from that moment on, I saw myself, you know, moving further away from medicine and like closer into like public health and just like public service. I mean, medicine is still public service, but public service, like on the other side of things where, you know, more people interaction, more policy um, and type of thing. So she was just like, um, there's all these agencies and she was like, these are all these places that you could go to. I think she named a couple, but I think they ultimately gave me ICHV because it was the closest. And yeah. y'all was returning her calls. Uh, you yeah, know, yeah, John Mark sure, was returning yeah. her calls. So, oh, for sure. um, yeah. um, so, and apparently they had, you know, you all had taken in some fellows from that program in years past okay. before anyway. Right. So it was, it was already a system set up there. So yeah, I ended up uh, at ICHV and all I needed to do was literally come into the um, space and do whatever y'all wanted me to do. Yeah. So, you know, for the most part, I was like punching in, you know, names. That's into what the, we were crunching them. No, yeah. We were crunching them names. Yeah, so the, I was doing. So that was all I really needed to do, right? Mm-hmm. It was up to me to figure out how to complete my project outside of you all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I wasn't getting enough from it. And so then you and I naturally started talking because I was in the office and I was like, yo, what you what you are talking about sounds cool. Can yeah. I do it? Because it's really funny. Um, I, I wasn't able to get credit for that. You know, going to like the the uh, elementary school with oh, you, okay. I wasn't able to get credit for oh, that. Nice. Yeah, I needed to still come. To, I was still expected to go to the office, so it, yeah, was, it yeah. was it was extra. But I was like, like yeah. I need to be involved in this, right? Because yeah. I'm not gonna get the experience and knowledge I'm I want from just sitting on the computer and putting in emails into the spreadsheet, right? Like I need to actually be out there listening to the stories of people who are being impacted by gun yes. violence on a regular basis. Yes. And so that's pretty much how I got involved with ICJ's view on a much deeper yes. level. And that was good. I, I, was that, I don't remember what school it was. I remember. I can't it, remember. you. I, if I go through my phone, I know. Cute, it, yeah. Those kids were so adorable. Yeah, but I remember. <laughs> I mean, but I had one hell of an introduction, though, right? Because yeah. I don't know if you remember, but my first day with you mm. was, um, I want to say, five days 
four or five days after the shooting with that little girl in sixth grade. Oh, at at um at the school at Henderson. Yeah, Henderson. There we yes, go. That was school. Uh, that was my first day, uh, and yeah, that was yeah. one hell of an introduction, right? Yeah. Um, and I just remember being so moved. I really felt the energy. I remember there was one student, my favorite student. I forget her name, but she uh-huh. was a the very very intelligent yeah. one that we like. Her mom, her teacher really wanted her to jump a couple of grades, but yeah. you know, this little family. I don't want to get too much into that. But um, basically, I remember her like chiming in and being like, "Look, I'm tired." Y'all have us do these peace rallies, but they ain't stop putting them guns down yeah. because the people who shoot ain't attending these peace rallies. And yeah. it was just hearing eighth graders have to speak about that. You yeah. know, at this age, at that age was just like, you know, my biggest issue, you know, not trying to make light of the situation was like, I couldn't find my video game. You know what I'm trying right. to say? And these students are like literally right. going. And that's why I always tell people like, yo, when people ask, were you born and raised in, born in Chicago, raised in the South suburbs? So my story, I don't even try to like, you know develop this idea of oppress you know because yeah, yeah, yeah. the only oppression i ever faced was because of my skin i never had to like wake up in the morning and be like am i gonna make it to school all right am i gonna be recorded by gang like members and all that type of stuff which is what their reality was oh, right for sure. and i do not appreciate people who try to come into communities and try to tell people how they're going to fix those communities without even being my job in, in that space was to be mentored Yes. And to be taught in that space, right? I wasn't in here going to tell them like, hey, these are my ideas about how y'all can make, because I've never experienced that. So yeah. I can't speak to those ideas. So I was just in there just learning as much as I could and being, yeah. those two students were teaching me and I greatly appreciate it because a lot of the things that were said in there, I still carry oh, with me sure. to this day. So Brian, that, was, that was my Brian, introduction to the home. Super, yes. super passionate too. You oh, know what I'm sure. trying to say? Super funny. You know what oh, I'm trying oh, to say? I love them. Kids. I, I, oh, man. Henderson always, I mean, they're, you know, they're, it's, it's, it's a challenging environment. Yeah, uh, but great kids. Yeah, and, and and the teacher that we were interacting with, oh, Miss Ware. Shout out to Miss Ware. So much. She's amazing. She's still cared she's still so there. Much. Okay. Um, we don't talk as much because just you know life. Cotton, yeah, yeah. cotton. My current job and and everything. But she's amazing. Yeah. Um, the principal there is super amazing. Okay. Um, Miss Jackson. Um, amazing. Yeah, amazing staff. Yeah. Um, I know. After that, they they actually the the, te- the teacher of the sixth grade when that happened, she mm. left. Nah, the she probably year. couldn't even that, handle it. I, I was like, you seen a student that you? Because I want to mm-hmm. say that I started accompanying you second semester. Yes. So that means that they had already went through that whole yes. August yeah. winter time. I might have not even started attending until like that February time. So okay. Dude, that's more than enough time to build an honest and genuine relationship with someone. Oh, for right? sure. So yes. to seize that seat, no longer have oh, someone there anymore, and knowing that that person was like the age of a sixth grader, mm-hmm. it was just like, and it happened on school property. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm trying to say? Absolutely. She was doing what she was supposed to do. Yeah. So weekend, she wanted to go play at the playing pool. basketball. Yeah, just having a good time. It, it was amazing. Um, I remember that. I remember that uh, so vividly because when it happened. Uh, she was in a coma because it when it happened, yeah, yeah, yeah. three those three kids were all shot the mm-hmm. same weekend. It was in her, another girl, and then like a two or three year old, four year old, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, and then her, the two girls both died relatively a day apart. I think both were in coma for for a little bit. And I just remember uh, Miss Ware calling me because Miss Ware was out of town mm. when it happened. Mm. So she said, "Hey, uh, they're going to be counselors at the school the next, you know, after day after she passed away." Um, you know, could you go over there? You know, they're, they're going to be, you know, it's kind of going to be just a day that for the kids to kind of talk and express themselves, relax, you know, they, they, so they're in the building, but you know what I'm saying? You can't expect kids to, mm-hmm. to go to class right after that. And, uh, and I went and yeah, it was, it was just, um, 
just amazing. You know, just sad how, and and in actuality, how frequently it happens. Yeah. Um. You know, not always fatal. Um. And it's interesting. I just saw in the news the other day they found the killer of uh, Danny Davis's grandson. Word. He was a Henderson graduate. Oh man. So he went to Henderson. He when he was killed, he was an alumni who was killed around like the summer before or something mm-hmm. like that. And so just such a yeah, it, that's a it's a daily thing. But I, mean, I think mm-hmm. some people can't understand the concept. Like you, know, you see these things on the news to somebody that's an everyday thing yeah. that's happening in my neighborhood, um, around the block from me, um, you know, three blocks away. But it's happening so frequently. That is just it's a normal part of life. Yeah, and that's just sad. So sad. So you, gotta, you know, becomes normalized. You know, it becomes very right. We become desensitized yeah. to it. You know what I'm and, trying to say. And I actually spoke with some high schoolers yesterday um, at work, uh, and it was actually about health careers. Okay, but I was telling you know we were talking about mental health. Okay, and I was like you know I said you know we so we were talking about destigmatizing mental health and, and, you know, getting, getting help when you need it and such. But I'm like, look, you know, the reality is if you live in a, in, in an environment where people are shot or killed frequently, right? Your natural reaction to it is what we call post-traumatic stress. That is natural. Yeah. If you don't react like that, that's a disorder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. disorder, you're like, well, there's another one. Here we go. I'm like, that's, that's an issue. And, you know, I said, part of it is that it's been, you've, so much of the south side of the city has not had access mm. that that's stigmatized right we we don't get it we obviously don't need it right it's not for us so now you know we're talking about trying to get greater access to something that you you've never had access to mm. you don't know what that looks like what that feels like and, and you know and then you know and then i'm like i'm a veteran too so i've seen it from that aspect of people coming back from afghanistan i'm like yo these anybody in this damn bus don't get help ugly <laughs> that's a problem you know and and so it, it was a good conversation but i'm just like you know that if that's your environment you have to have someone to talk to yeah you have to have a way to get your thoughts and your feelings out and and so yeah yeah it's interesting it's uh mm, ugh, yeah, it's ugly um okay so you do the the, the leader the the, I'm sorry, the core. Yeah. The, what's it? The CLC. Yeah. So the interviews, what were the interviews about? Yeah. So the interviews were pretty much with community leaders and just members. Mm-hmm. And basically, we were tasked with doing at least four interviews. So everyone in a cohort, you know, Obama Foundation, CLC, this year um, was paired, not paired off, but put into different groups, ranging from three to four. Mm-hmm. So the whole hope is that after every individual in each of those groups do an interview, there'll be between 12 and 16 total interviews okay. that the old foundation will then help our each group uh, synthesize. Mm. And then that hopefully will kind of inform where we want to go with our actual um, project. Because basically the point of the interview was to teach people that you can't go into communities and just have a great idea without talking to the people, right? It's that simple mm-hmm. idea of, Let's build a park here. But then when you talk to people, they were like, we wanted more jobs. You know what I'm trying to say? Right. It's literally just that. So that was what the interviews were. So I was just pretty much asking people to interview um, and just answer questions about, you know, kind of what we talked about. What was your, um, what, you know, what do you define as your community, right? Mm Because, you know, uh, for example, a woman might say my community is black women specifically versus like a person with a disability might say like 
other people with disabilities. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm absolutely. trying to say? It's my, I, like my community. Yeah, um, so that's why I was asking people to define their community, what it looks like to them, and what does liberation for their community look like, and what resources do folks in your community um, need immediately? Mm. If you could solve that issue tomorrow, what would it be? Um, and, you know, most of the people were saying, you know, financial freedom. You know what I'm mm-hmm. trying to say? You spoke on it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other two, I mean, the other two focused on it. You know what I'm yeah, trying to yeah, say? Absolutely. You spoke, you, you hinted at it, but the other two focused on it. So, um, you know, um, now it's up to our groups to, now we have our, our next training where I'll see everybody in my group again on uh, August, next week, August 3rd or something like that. Yeah. So we'll uh, all sit down together and actually like, synthesize everything and figure out what how do you actually execute a community project now um so it's a lot of support i will say that um it's a lot of support i know that people from the last cohort said that they could have done better with the support so they definitely so they that was a yeah that was a definitely beautiful good so on top of all the stuff you do you also run an apparel company yes right yes progress so tell me about this yes because this was like one of the first conversations we ever had yes i love it still mad that i never got because you you were like yo yo it's all gone but next time i was like what but you but you ended up getting something (laughs) i know for sure yeah yeah. Yeah. um so tell me about this yeah so progression with the crown is the name of the brand or for short progression Mm -hmm. uh which was started i want to say was conceived back in 2015 although we didn't put out our first shirt until 2017 um it's a clothing line where we take moments in black history and we recreate them onto different t-shirts and apparel um and after a while i realized that that wasn't enough that uh you know taking these moments um and teaching people wasn't enough so i was like i'm gonna start putting my money where my mouth is um and we started taking some of the profit and converting them into different scholarships and donations and um wow. we've, we've uh, you know given out more than two thousand uh, close to three thousand dollars at this point um, with most recently us giving out, splitting $750, so $250 to three black girls um, at my high school that I graduated from, as well as giving out $500 to a black trans organization. Oh, um, because the collection that I recently posted, um, the reason why the recipients were who they were was because the collection was the Black Women Are the Future collection. Yes. And specifically, we focused on black trans women at that time, Marsha P. Johnson specifically, which is like a... You can't talk about the modern day LGBTQ fight without mentioning Marsha P. Johnson and um, I'm forgetting the Hispanic woman she worked with. I want to say last. Actually, I'm not going to quote her last name wrong, but it was Marsha P. Johnson, her best friend at the time, who pretty much at the Stonewall riot back which is actually celebrating its 50th yep, year. Yep, absolutely. Uh, she that was celebrated a... it in June. Yep. Um, pretty much, yeah. Um, and once again, God just helping everything align out perfectly like that. Um, yeah, basically, uh, you know, throwing that glass. I'm going out that shot glass at the, um, you know, mirror. And that was like the shot glass that wrung out the freedom and so on. And uh, yeah. oftentimes there's like this rumor as to whether she threw the first brick or not. Which isn't up, which is up for debate. But what isn't up for debate is how she soon became one of the front runners of the liberation movement and just was a sweet person that I feel like you have to be really into like black history to like know who she is. Yes, yeah. And you know, my audience is mainstream culture, mainstream black people mainly who are come to my brand looking for these stories to learn about people. You know, um, you know, so that's what we do. Um, and that's what we've been doing for some some years now. And now I'm in a place where I'm just trying to take it to the next level. Um, we just recently we're gonna celebrate three years and you know Year one's really slow, but, you know, it was still really helpful. But I want to say year two was probably our best year. 
Um, we did a social works fashion show, which saw me be introduced to Chance the Rapper's um, stylist, who is Whitney Middleton. Um, mm-hmm. Whitney Middleton has just been super helpful to me and everything that I've been doing so oh, far. Cool. Um, so she approached me with the opportunity to make a uh, jacket design for Jamila Woods. Um, so oh, we'll see whether yes. that actually happens or not. Um, in addition to that, um, I was invited last year to L.A. to, um, you know, participate in this black ran uh, entrepreneur group where, like, we pretty much, like, have flash fashion shows. Um, they take care of our models and our videos, and they put everything together, and all we have to literally do is show up with clothes. Um, so I'm going, actually, to the second version, the second annual one of that. So I was blessed enough to be part of the first one. I'm going out there for the second one. Um Part of the reason why I think I was admitted into that program in Minnesota, which was the MBA program, was because I spoke about my clothing line. So my clothing line is just oh, always okay. like opening up doors for me and stuff Absolutely. like that. Um, so like in, you know, going into year three, um, you know, the biggest thing I want to do is actually figure out how do I start doing collaborations with nonprofits um, and just other organizations in the city of Chicago. Um, one, and then two is just figuring out how do we grow the brand outside of Chicago. So I'm really trying to set some stuff up for Atlanta, um, LA, since I'm out there so often as well. So um, I'm super proud of what we've been able to accomplish, but I know like this is really just scratching the surface. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So yes. the next collection that we're working on is like focused on like black love and power. Um, also want to do like a black wall street thing. So the hundred anniversary of the, uh, Black Wall riots or whatever you will call them. Yeah. Um, Black Wall Street, I should say. Whatever you yeah. will call it, it's happening in 2021. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they, they originally happened in 1921. Um, so I would love to like collaborate with some like Black-owned businesses to kind of execute that. So I can't say too much about it because we potentially might have found a collaborator. Yeah, of course, um, of course. So um, that will be like what I'm really focused on in the next couple of years. But yeah, um, just yeah, trying to just get my clothes on more people and like to spread that message and tell more stories um, as much as possible. Yeah. 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 See, so, okay. So entrepreneur falling Trying. asleep on the brain. So like, right. <laughs> I was a dirt bag. I'm telling you, I was a dirt bag. It, it, you know, it's cool. It's cool. Yeah. Not all things are for all people. Yeah. But, but awesome. yeah, we just recently <laughs> um, were able to like re update our website. So, you know, okay. whenever y'all, whenever you, you know, upload this or whatever, yes. Um, it's prgrsn.com. Yes. I'm super happy. I'm like made a website and everything. Um, it looks really good. It looks really cool. It probably so, look yeah. better with this website. Whatever this is right. Uh, <laughs> we can talk about let you what platforms you can use because my website looks really good, but the platform I used did most of the hard work. I just had to have the aesthetic eye to put everything where right. I wanted it. Nice, nice. So, are you are you dating? Aha. <laughs> That's the topic everybody wants to talk about. Yeah, I am, but I don't. I don't want to get too much into that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I'm I, years ago. I met a young lady. You were dating. Is, mm-hmm. is she still around? Mm-hmm. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yo, yeah. She was adorable though. She is. She, I love her to a, death. Okay. I do. She's I do. adorable. All right. That's cool. All um, fair. We could. We can get into why. I. I don't want to get into that too much. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> Um, no, 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 it's good. Uh, okay, cool. But uh, another thing we, we, we said we we're going to talk about was toxic black, black. Mas- masculinity. Yeah, yeah. So I've, been, I've been like dropping little subtle things about us black men. So let's talk about that. I love being a black man. I would love to start that off by saying that. But um, yeah, I think that we have an issue oh. in our community. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> some of the blame has to go on us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, pretty much I've just been trying to play around with ideas on how to like have this become a mainstream conversation. 
Um, because I just kind of feel like for liberation to really come, it will it's gonna take a lot of work on the on black men to like unlearn a lot of the what we see as liberation for ourselves, mm-hmm. which I think mirrors what liberation or what life looks like for a lot of white men. Um, but yeah, a lot of black men are like we are just taught to be tough, to be angry, never to show emotion, and that oftentimes coming at the hands of black women, mm-hmm. you know, um, or manifesting itself in like homophobia, transphobia, mm-hmm. um, and just trying to figure out how do we have this conversation and make it go mainstream. Um, so I've been trying to figure out how to do that and who to do that with, yeah. um, because I think that there's a lot of programs in place right now to like teach men about how to deal with their anger, but like doing it in a very, very controlled way where it's like teaching men how to control their anger, but not holding them accountable for how their anger can impact other people Mm -hmm. if they do get angry or do get upset. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's like what I've been like trying to figure out. Um, Are you familiar with Jamel Hill? No. So she's like a former pundit at uh, ESPN okay who eventually was super outspoken which led her to like you know go part her ways part ways with ESPN okay. Spotify quickly hit her up all right and gave her right. a podcast oh excellent um and you should check it out she has amazing guests on the on the podcast um I wish I could remember the name of the podcast but if you just put her name into Spotify it'll come up uh but some of the people that she's had on the episode was like Ice Cube um Talib Khalib uh, black thought she just had super like heavy hitting you know people mm-hmm. on there and one of my favorite episodes is actually the one with talib and he pretty much opens up you know talking about how he's not a fan of kanye west um and part of the reason why he isn't was because kanye west has gone on record saying that uh donald trump makes him feel like a man right um and I'm <laughs> let's see, talk about see, it. People can't look, people can't can't see that look on my face. Like what? What? But why? What's wrong? Okay. And what, the, what's wrong? By the Tell way, me what's I, wrong? I don't know. No. Tell and, me what's wrong. And so, <laughs> part of the reason why he says he's upset is because he was like, "What does that mean?" You know, what I'm trying to say Donald Trump is a known sexual predator, uh, sexual abuser, emotional abuser physical abuser like he's an abuser right who literally dances on his privilege of white malehood and when i listen to that him say that and i think back on all of donald trump's um interviews speeches i was like you know what kanye west is actually right like donald trump does make a lot of people feel like men but the real issue isn't the fact that Donald Trump makes him feel like a man. It's the fact that our definition of what it means to be a man is so skewed. And that is what, you know, I bring that all back into saying that, like, I think that the definition of the page, what it means to be a man is so misconstrued in our society that a lot of black men internalize that. A lot of men in general just internalize that and start exhibiting these toxic behaviors that says that I can only be successful if it comes at the back of women you know what i'm trying to say i can Absolutely. only be successful if i oppress gay people you know what i'm trying to say i, I don't align yeah. with them you know what i'm yes, trying to say yeah. um and all these other things you know what i'm trying to say so what yes. it needs to be a man and a black man specifically needs to be redefined yes for us to finally start making it right because there was some woman who recently put up a post that was just like yo um 
y'all need to stop putting these pictures of men holding flowers and wearing like glitter on their face and being thinking that that in itself will tear down toxic masculinity. You know what I'm trying to say? It's going to take so much more than you having an open-minded cis hetero man wearing glitter and putting flowers in his head. He already gets it. You know what I'm trying to say? And people consuming this also already get it. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. We need to start reaching out to the people who don't get it and doing it in a way that we can introduce them. So I've been trying to come up with programming yeah. to like try to teach this, you know, these lessons and, and doing it in a way that a lot of young people are receptive to doing it, right? Even sitting down in this conversation, I was thinking like, is there like a like a, a card game that I could come up with, right. right? Or like just a way that we can reach out to people and say like, yo. You know, I'm trying to say, like, let's look on the inside and let's figure out why our community looks the way it does. Because at the end of the day, there's so many. When a black man dies, who is often the one leading that protest? Trans or queer people and black women. When black women die at the hands of police brutality, who's leading that talk? Trans, queer and black women. Black men oftentimes are never the ones leading the fight. And black women go... One of my favorite quotes, no one loves black men more than black women, and no one loves black women more than black women. And it shouldn't be like that. You know what I'm trying to say? It should not be like that. Um, And this could be a a greater conversation about like, you know, no one really cares about who you love. No one really cares about who you date. No one really, everyone just cares about how you make them feel. You know what I'm trying to say? Oh, for sure. And if you want to be, like black men can never, you know, compliment a black woman without sexualizing her or black men can never you know i'm trying to say uh when they when they do you know date outside their race it's always at the fault of black women and once again it's that internalized hate yeah self-hate um and it's exhibiting itself in a really really terrible ways you know what i'm trying to say like yeah. men just want to be on top of the politics for what women should be able to do with their bodies and like the idea of like body count and that not mattering for men but mattering for women and all this other stuff and i just kind of feel like the dynamic that men and black men and black women have right now isn't where it should be yeah and part of it is just that that, that toxicity you know what i'm trying to say oh, absolutely. so i don't know i mean that's that's pretty much like my two cents i don't know if you got you know anything to add but i've been i just been racking my brain of like how do we teach at a very young age you know what i'm trying to say yeah you know it's interesting um my employer did a we did a we did a work sh- uh, training on this topic not too long ago. Mm. We, we called it healthy masculinity. Okay, because you can't say anything risque or anything in the circles that I I work in. <laughs> right? No one wants to you know that word toxic. I was like, oh god, you know. But that's, trigger word, right? That's what it is, though. Let's just call it what it is, you know. Um, but we had a training and um, a, a gentleman from BAM. Okay. Yes. Um, Work did it. Um, wow. His, his name's uh, Randy Johnson. Okay. Amazing. Amazing. Like, it was amazing just to sit and talk with him. Um, and he he did the training. Um, and it was great. Just mm-hmm. kind of talking about how, how Bam addressed mm-hmm. right, this topic. And I, I loved it. It was interesting. Um, just kind of, you know, like how you even start to have those kind of... Because they yeah. need to be... They need to be just be much bigger yeah. conversations, you know. And, and, it, and people who are influential mm-hmm. need to be having them um and, it, and you know and I've, I've heard i've heard other i've heard discussions in, in other circles and other organizations for one reason or another but yeah i mean to me it's 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 a it's fascinating um how society is changing mm-hmm. um it's fascinating 
like we're in this weird transition. Yeah. This weird transition where we went from the way things were. We know how we want things to be, but in the middle, it's like a free for all. It's like a it's like a free for all. And you have right, you have the struggle of people who want to keep things the way they are. Yeah. Right. That's that Trump grabbing by the pussy mentality, which is to me like, I had a friend, and we were talking about this recently. And she and, and we were talking about Trump and talking about that. She goes, and that's locker talk. I say, look, look. I said, I've said some scummy shit in a locker before, but I've never. <laughs> look, <laughs> let me assure you, you've never heard me advocate sexually assaulting somebody. I don't care where I was, right? Just not something that's, that's come out. Of, I've said some scummy. Th- I think I even said to her, I said, I've had a kid killing somebody before. <laughs> like, you know what? Bump that dude off. Like, I've said that in a locker. Like, you know what? If somebody had a sniper rifle, I'd do that, dude. I've made that statement in public, but I've never advocated for grabbing anybody by the pussy. Ever. Yo, Donald Trump is a nasty old man. That's what we call it. Nasty. Nasty old man. That's a nasty old man. And it's, man. you know, and it, it one, it, it's, it's horrible if people think that that's okay. Yeah. Two, it's horrible if you are in circles where that's normal. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, the sheer amount of people I hear say like, <laughs> Yo, like my homie was talking about like getting with like a a, a, a sixteen. I'm like, who are y'all friends? <laughs> who who are y'all friends? Who are you hanging out with? Who are you who hanging, hanging out, out with? with? Like, I've never been around anybody that would even think about telling me that they was talking to somebody under the age of eighteen. And if you're 24, you shouldn't even be talking to anybody under the age of 21. Yeah, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, for sure, my, my homies know. Like, no. that we don't do that. Like, I've never had somebody be like, yeah, bro. You know, I got her super drunk and hit. Like, whoa, <laughs> whoa. like. Yeah. I really, cause, cause this is like, and I try my best not to um, invalidate people. Yes. Cause you, I catch my, and that's something I've had to catch myself. Cause like, I see people like carry this narrative, like, oh, like, man, like, do this, and like, man, do that, like, man, put drugs in it. And I'm like, I've never been around that. So, like, cool. Yes. But I'm trying to remember, like, I only got like three guy friends. You know what I'm trying to say? Right, right, so that right. leaves a whole world of men to For be nasty. Sure. You know For what I'm trying sure. to say? So I try my best. Cause I, for a really long time, I was just like, why, why do people keep like saying this? Like everybody I'm around would never do nothing like yeah. that. But then I was just like, yo, you got to catch yourself. Cause you're speaking from a place of privilege. So I'll tell you. Being in the army, mm-hmm. you come across a spectrum of, of people. I'm, of, I'm already pers- knowing. It's just a personality. Yeah. And I'll never forget because this, this to me was one of those things. You know, and I grew up very sh- relatively sheltered. Yeah. Um, well, my mother ruled with iron fist, right? Mm. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so I was really sheltered for the most part, uh, well until going to, you know, going to college mm. where I had, you know, more freedom. But in the army and then living in Germany, and I'll never forget this. Um, Hanging out, hanging out with some dudes, and this cat was like, "Yeah, you know, we go, so we go to club, right? There's not much else to do, you know, going to bars, clubs, whatever." So it was a period of time we were going to bars like five, four or five days a week, you know, hardcore drinking, like like drinking till three a.m., mm. showing up for you know like Thursday through Sunday. That was like a thing for for a period of time, you know. Um, but I never forget. He's like, "Yeah, yeah, come to my room, whatever." So. Uh, we were leaving the club. That's what it was. He's like, oh, we, you know, we're going to go back and drink some more. Okay, cool. So, you know, he drops me off. I see I'm going to change clothes. Uh, I'll swing by your place. And I get there and I, I knock on the door and I hear, come in. And, and there's this girl mm-hmm. and he's having sex with her. <laughs> and I'm like, you need me to come back? He's like, no, it's good. No, nah, <laughs> okay. it's not good. I was like, is it though? 
right? And she just kind of looks at me. And no, but here's the thing. She looks at me with like this kind of like thumbs up. I'm like, oh no, I've gotten into a new world. I'm in a whole the door new, that way. Whole new world, baby. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on in and sit down. I'll come back later. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not about to be the spectator. But it was. But in you know in the in this culture. Things like that were not unusual. Yeah. And it was, for me, it was a whole new culture where I was just like, wow, this is different. Okay. Uh, all right. This, all right. Not going to do that. Yeah. Gonna, you know? But my favorite <laughs> thing about the culture that we're shifting into is saying. Uh, now, yes. It's like, yo, just because that's your culture or just because that's your, what y'all like historically done. Have been doing. Doesn't make it okay. Don't make it okay. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Because something that you were hitting on earlier that I wanted to follow up with, like when you were saying like, yo. People in, in, in D.C. and, like, politicians, they really, like, there's, it's really hard for them to, like, have a whole career and not do nothing nasty yeah. or, like, do something. The, 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 the shift is, who says that you can't be have a lifelong career in politics and have to step on fingers and toes and like yeah. that? You know what I'm trying to say? AOC yeah. is kind of proving that you don't got to be this, this, sh- this shady person, right? Yeah. Let's, rather than accepting your things for what they all have always been, let's kind of start turning the tide. Absolutely. And that's a great way of looking at it. Um, yes. And and that's where we are now. You yeah. Know? We're trying to go. And, and we're truly We're trying. in the middle. We're in this middle. We got some nasty old people and, that's like, ah. You know, and there's, and there's this, this, and it's funny, like, I, I there's this, I don't even know how we became friends on Facebook. I think he's rather disgusting. Um, He's this dude. I, I, I kind of want to say his name because he's a fucking dirtbag and I kind of want to put his <laughs> name out there and then I kind of don't. Uh, so let's just use first name. name okay. Brian, right? Okay. That's super generic. So that's Brian, cool. Brian, right. That's super cool. I think he's a dirtbag. I don't know. Like, half the time, I'm like, this can't be a real person. Mm. Like he's, he's, I'm like, he's a, he's got to be a troll because no one can harbor this, these views. You know, yeah. like to me, right? But he, he's, he, I consider he's like in the black sit crowd because half of what comes out of his page sounds like something Candace Owens said. So if you remember Candace Owens, right? Yeah. The whole, the black exit from the Democratic Party and Republicans love you and they're the only ones who actually do things for you. Yeah. Okay. Because cool. Trump obviously loves black people. Yeah. <laughs> Trump obviously loves He black loves ASAP Rocky. He lo- right. He loves ASAP Rocky and Kanye. Oh, God. But yeah. So, you know, he's part of the Blexit crowd and we'll get into it because he'll post something and I'm like, look, that's just inaccurate. Yeah. You know, more than anything, like you have your opinion, but that's just factually inaccurate. Mm-hmm. Here's yada yada, maybe this, and he's, uh, you know, He's always trying to point to. So I did the naked bike ride. I do the naked bike ride every year. Oh, word. Okay. I, I, I took it off the last couple of years, but I did the naked bike ride this year. And then I'm in a uh, the Lakeside Pride marching band, right? So kind of uh, identifies with Boys Town. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the members are some variation of of tra- you know trans queer uh, community LGBTQ plus community, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so, you know, he'd be like, oh, you, you know, but you, you, you know, you ride around gay with those gay people, whatever, ever. I'm like, is that an insult? Like, what the <laughs> fuck? I, I have gay friends. What the fuck's wrong with you? You know, like, is that an insult in 2019 yeah. now? Like, you still hang out with gay people? Mm-hmm. The fuck is okay. wrong? <laughs> right. Like, the fuck is wrong Literally, with I you? get into that with people all the time. Like, when people be like, I, like, when I was in Minnesota or whatever, like, people were just like, you know, like, are you, like, straight? Or like, are you gay? And I was like... <laughs> I mean, if I was gay, who cares? You know what I'm trying to say? Like, matter. you're not gonna hurt my feelings if you call me gay, right? Because I'm, because if I was, who cares? You know what I'm trying exactly. to say? Exactly. Like, and it's like, it's like, and I'm just like, oh, dude, you know? Yeah. And, and it's, it, and you see people who are just stuck in such an archaic, yeah, frame of thinking, you know? And it's just like, kid, I don't know. Well, when the revolution comes around, I'm gonna have something for him. <laughs> Wow. I hope he's out there so I can pop him. Yeah. <laughs> right now, so I'm popping the mouth. 
No, but yeah, it's it's interesting. He's a, I mean, he's a character. I don't know how it became Facebook friends. I'm like, because uh, like, you know, I, I'm definitely one of those people. Who's like, you know, if you want to know about a person, look at people you associate with. One thousand like, percent. No. Uh-uh. Well, I mean, you just unfriend them. Right. This is not one of my friends. You know what? I find him entertaining though. Yeah. It's like it's it's one of those like you want to learn, you want to understand what they're talking understand about. Understand what they're talking. Because like, you got to agree. Like Candace Owens, I just think she's fascinating. Yeah, I, I, and it's really good to understand where they're coming from, so you can understand how to break right. break down their idea and be yeah. like there's the hole there there's a hole there there's a hole there therefore everything you're saying is irrelevant go back to go fox back, news right. <laughs> go back go back to the classroom go back to your house do some more research yeah, yeah it, it's interesting because especially with the like the gun the gun violence oh and so many of the I mean, come on that, that's that's like your that's like our like passion we oh, can get I into that it. real quick i love talking to these cats you know especially um so i'm you know i don't work with the ichv i don't work for the ichv anymore, anymore yeah. but i go on the, their social media and like these guys are like like this cat the other day uh so with the the gun the gun dealer certification bill right it, it you know um the bill is online. You mm-hmm. can read the thing from top to bottom. It puts undue financial burden and all these hidden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, so for example, like what? I'm like, give me concrete numbers. What you're talking about, right? Because if I read it correctly, it says $150 license. Yeah, and then it says you have to buy a security system. If you sell guns and don't have a security system, you're dirt bag. Yeah, so I'll go from store to store, but like dirt, <laughs> dirt, <laughs> get a, get dirt, dirt bag. You get a dirt bag award. <laughs> get a security system, dirt bag, and that's how guns get out of you know. And so, like, and then he, and then he was like, "Well, all the stores I know already have security systems, so it's a hundred fifty dollars, like, certificate." What's the issue? The guns they're selling are like five, seven, eight hundred dollars a pop, so they can't break a hundred. Dirt bag, literally, well, they, literally, <laughs> you can't break you off a hundred in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> that's too much. That's that's undue financial burden. Stop it! I, I I mess around and give it to you. You know what I'm trying <laughs> right. to say? Like I got 150 dollars. Right. If that means keeping the safe street, street safe, I got it for you. He's alone. He's alone. Pay, pay me back when you're ready. <laughs> when you got it. But he he never comments it because I'm of like, of course not. Because you're you're being ridiculous. Yeah. You know, oh, it's it's a way to. I'm like, no, no. If you if you one. If you can't pay $150 for a license, you shouldn't be right, in the gun. That'll help make the city safer. One, you just you doing it wrong. Yeah, right? your business. Could you pay $150 with your business if you needed to for the public safety? One thousand percent. Absolutely. <laughs> What's wrong? And you're not selling guns. Yeah, like, I'm. I'm <laughs> in way business set, set up. I'm paying a lot more than 150 <laughs> for some of the stuff, and I'm paying it nonetheless. Right. My website, all that type of stuff, it costs more than 150. Stop. I ain't complaining. So and it's just ridiculous, you know. And it's just. And I won't be selling shirts for 800. dollars Ooh. And you know, it's funny because I, because I, 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 I'm not a gun owner, but once in a while I think about maybe getting one. Yeah. Just, yeah. You know, and like I look, I'm like, ooh. <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. Never I mind. Could, I could buy a lot of stuff with that money, <laughs> right? Because they're not cheap. Like, it's not playing. Okay. Hmm. I do. I'm like, huh. Hmm. Okay. All right. <laughs> yep. Close the page as soon as I open yep. it. Like, mm. Put it on my wish list and just I, have it sitting I, there for years. Right. Literally be, <laughs> be there for years. You are dealing in, right, high price merchandise and you Man. can't pay $150 for it, you know. And I see it so much because I go on there, and I, it's funny because some of the people you start to, like, know, you know. And I'm okay. like, oh, hey, Rich. How you doing? Let's hear some of your bullshit today. Yeah, literally. <laughs> I'm excited. On today of Rich's bullshit. On today of Rich's bullshit. And it's just, yeah, I don't know. It is what it is. Those cats, you know. 
but try to understand. Yeah, so you can so you can break you can break it down and so, point point the holes out. Yes. So, um, was there anything else you wanted to discuss? Nah, I think nah, that's we we hit a lot. We yeah. hit a lot. It was great. Like a um, straight more than a straight hour. Just oh, before combo. I forget, the, the name of the podcast. Yes, too. please share it with um, me. It's amazing. I, yeah, I pulled it up. I'm I'm not high tech like a lot of people. I just put them. Jamel Hill is unbothered. Yes, is the name of the podcast. I mean, just read off one of the one of the top ones that she interviewed. Oh, the, the, the actually the uh the most recent one, Triggers and Trauma, featuring Music Soulchild. Yep. Uh, Reaching New Heights, featuring Barrington Irving. Uh, through the fire, uh, featuring Beto O'Rourke. Yeah, uh, I'll definitely. I don't know if I buy him anymore either, but yeah, the, the best, best thing ever. You watched the debate, right, with him? <laughs> That's why I don't know how I feel about him anymore. No, but I can't with that. That's better. May Lamo as be like, bro. What? <laughs> Cork that's what like, that's what we call pandering. That's, that's straight pandering. Don't pander. But I didn't, re- and it's funny though because that introduced an interesting conversation. I didn't realize that he was not Latino. Mm. I mean, he's, 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 white, he's a white dude. He's a white dude. He's a white dude. I had no idea. I thought I'm like, well, you know, just because he doesn't necessarily look, you know what I'm saying? No, my friend was like, nah, nah. he's a white dude. Wow, Robert. <laughs> Robert. I'm like, what? She goes, his nickname's Beto. Oh, that's nasty. So I need to, and I mean, I didn't, I didn't look it up, but that's, I said, you're sure? She said, yes. She goes, that's nasty. No, that's why his Spanish is very poor. Dicey. Dicey. <laughs> but the best was when Corey looked like. Yeah, he was like. He said, this dude stole every, because you could tell he, he, I guess he was like, I'm waiting for my moment to drop my Spanish. Yo. <laughs> yo. 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 And then he did it anyway, which is even better. He's like, well, you know what? I'm gonna drop it anyway, and it's like, oh, Corey, stop! Come on, don't do it. He did it's it. Very, very bold of him to want to run for office when he couldn't win. But never mind. I don't have to. You know what? People, shade. once again, people in power saw at least the excitement he generated, mm-hmm. right? And they were like, well, this is more than what the rest of these. <laughs> well, he he ruined that in a this- matter of seconds. <laughs> he brought it down. Literally, everyone who was rocking with him was like. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad. Why? Why are you pandering right, right now? Don't don't do it. Don't Just do speak this. English. Yeah. You're cool. We You're know. cool. You was already <laughs> cool. <laughs> we know you. Some of us thought you was Hispanic for real, and some of us thought you're Hispanic for real. Are you? Yeah, you bust that down. And then yeah, it, it was so. So I don't think we ever really said so. So you're you're liking Bernie. I am. Okay. The most. The most. Okay. Out of everyone. And I, like you, every election I'm eligible to vote in, I'm going to be there. Yeah. Yeah. I, know? Can, I can't not. You got you to gotta use your voice. And I've made myself a promise, especially like keeping up with the political landscape right now, um, to be involved yeah. in some type of canvassing or collecting signatures for getting people to become eligible to vote yes. because it's looking really good for Donald Trump right now. And I do not want to do another term because one thing that someone always says that I think is really important, which I try to remind myself was, you know, Donald Trump's presidency reminds me a lot of Ronald Reagan's. Okay. And a lot of people are just like, you know, I hate when folks tell me like, you know, just like Ronald Reagan's um, presidency, it sucked. You know, with everything that was going with all the policies, but we made it through, right? But they're forgetting about the people who didn't make it. Who did you know what I'm trying to say? Oh, the people sure. who got hooked on crack, 
people who went to jail Chill. for a long time because of the, you know, the aggressive, you Whatever. know, war on drugs. You know what I'm saying? There's people who didn't, you know what I'm trying to say, yeah, yeah, weren't yeah. able to get through that. And we're seeing that now. today. You we're know what I'm saying? We gonna be alright, you know what I'm trying to say, but folks at the border, you know what I'm trying to say? Yes. Cause granted when Barack Obama did deport, I mean I ain't seen nothing like this in the news. You know what I'm trying to say? Where like people are literally sleeping in foil, haven't been able to have access to a shower in thirty plus days. And like us being aware of it, but literally at the same time. Cause my number one question has always been, and maybe you could chime in, what do I, what can I even do? Yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? People are just like call them at the border. You know what yeah. I'm trying to say? You know, give them prank calls and stuff like that. It'll slow them down, but ultimately, my goal is to get them folks out. Yes. You know what I'm trying to say? What can I do? And not many people can answer that question. Like, I, what can you do? I don't. I mean, I, I really don't know. I mean, other than, like, whoever your elected, make sure your elected representatives are not supporting that. Mm-hmm. And then, ideally, that they're speaking out about it. Yeah. For, which, n- none of them. None of me, them are. I never feel like it, they're, they're, it's adequate, right? Yeah. Um, they're moving. They're. There are TV cameras everywhere. Right? Yeah. And every time I see one, I'm like, yo, they cast that sleeping in the board. Like you just said, in foil, we haven't had a shower in 30 days. Do you know this? So right now, <laughs> there's something even troubling, which I, I haven't had a chance to do my background research on. But there's a rumor going around saying that uh, ICE is potentially selling people off into sex trafficking as well. Because right now, there's 1,400 young people yeah. from the border that have not been accounted for. And it's like super troubling because it's like, where are these people going? So I don't want to sit there and don't, so don't quote me on that. But that's me imploring people like, you know, do your research because there's some real shady stuff outside of them just not letting them go home or or not letting them into our country. And even, I mean, even like taking that out of the equation, just the fact that there are people there. There, there are people who who have been sexually assaulted. Yeah, right? what, in, inside of in, inside in the, right? the facility by people being paid by the by the United States. It's government a concentration camp to watch. Oh, it's definitely a concentration. I don't like camp. when people say don't compare it to. No, it's a concentration. It's camp. a it's an extrajudicial, you know, containment unit where people are being treated very bad. That's yeah. a concentration camp, right? Yeah. For autism purposes, and and all the things that we verifiably know are happening are are just are disgusting yeah and unacceptable and i'm i hope that this administration has to speak for it too well oh, no. the u.n <laughs> maybe i'll be the one to put in the suit with the u.n because yeah, somebody yeah. needs to hold them accountable oh for sure um it, i mean it's gonna be interesting this this next election um how do you feel about uh pete i'm interested how do you feel about buddha buddha judge how you pronounce his name mayor pete from indiana I see. I'm not going to even sit here in front. Like I don't even know. I have not heard. <laughs> he's he, well. He, he's the dude. I, every, My dad would be very disappointed. No, no. <laughs> he's, he's the mayor of Gary. Okay. The mayor of Gary. Maybe? Okay. Um. Um. Married to a man. Um. Speaks foreign languages. Very, very interesting. Very mm. articulate. Veteran, which I didn't know until the debate. Okay. Which is why you know I encourage people to watch the debates because you learn stuff, right? You don't know what's going on until you're like, oh, okay. okay. And, you know, like, I didn't know that Beto wasn't Lisa. It wasn't a native a bit. <laughs> speaker. Okay, you know, these these things. And uh, But he's a veteran, you know, so but he's, he's very articulate, very intelligent. Um, and and he seems, you know, I, I what I really love, did you, I don't know, did you, you saw the, the last, I guess it was the last debate? Not, not the okay. entire thing, but so, just for clips. Because yeah. they, they, someone asked them, you know, because they were all trying to snipe each other down. And someone was like, well, what about the gun? It might have been Kamala. I don't remember who asked him 
about the gun violence issue and like you know the gun violence in gary and the oh no no it was actually about the police the police community relations maybe like how bad it is and and you know tinges of corruption or corruption and the violence you know kind of all these issues Mm -hmm. and they were like and and, you know it hasn't gotten better under your leadership you know what do you say for that and he go i failed oh man he's like he said i i just haven't done enough yeah i haven't done as much as i could or should he goes it needs to get better yeah um and we need to you know kind of like a tantamount's like we need to figure it out. Right. It hasn't been figured out. We need to figure it out. And I was like, that's the most honest answer. Come on. I've heard a lot of times. Oh, yeah, I fucked up. <laughs> Which, you know, and to me. That says a lot. That says a lot. That says so much. It says a lot to say, like, you know, I was told, like, when I was teaching, um, my students will often hear me say, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I have no idea. You know, what happened? You know, because I'm a history teacher. And we assume I know everything. Yeah. I have no idea. About yeah. That. I'm not ready. I book about that. But you know what I'm saying? We could look it up. You know what I'm saying? And we figure it out. And usually I would. You know? Yeah. That's an interesting question. Let me look that up. You know, maybe you could look it up too. Let's see what yeah. we find. And someone who's willing to admit that they don't have the answer. Yeah. They don't know. I didn't do this even though I said I would or I said I could and I couldn't. You know, whatever those things are. That to me says a lot about your mm-hmm. character, you know. Yeah. Um, and at that debate, because I know Kamala walked off of that debate when she was taking Biden down about his uh, support. Of well, we could take her down sub- with her criminal justice. I was gonna history. say right, <laughs> which didn't happen then, but will you will surely happen at the next debate yeah. for sure. Um, she'll she'll have to answer some hard questions herself. Um, but I walked away liking Pete because that, yeah. that answer. I'm gonna definitely look into him. Um, it was a couple of other things he said that I was like, okay, you know. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I liked I liked him. Okay. I liked him um, probably more than I think a lot of people did. Okay. but you know what I'm saying? He, he someone who's just willing to admit I don't know everything. Yeah, that says um, a lot. Like I always said, like if someone asked me, you know, like I don't, you know, it's a lot of stuff I don't know. If I was running for office, especially a high office like that, and people were asking me questions about the economy and about the environment, like, I, you know what? I would say just like you know this, what? You know where I live? I'm in Chicago. You know what we got in Chicago? Northwestern, UIC, and the University of Chicago. You know where they're really smart people who are experts in these fields. <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll hire them. And I'll hire them. And I'll hire like and I'll hire all, all of them. I'll take the whole damn environmental department of one of the schools with me. And pull them into my cabinet. Yo. You know, what's your, just line them all up. Who are going to DC? You are gonna, <laughs> who are going to You got to DC. You got to DC. You gotta, we who, all got to DC. Who's not on the tenure track? You're not on the tenure track. Let's go. And you come sit near people who are experts. And I don't mean just like the liberal. You know, I mean, they could be conservative. They could be whatever. They could, they don't necessarily have to say everything I want to hear. But are, okay. But are they good at what they do? You're, you're a good researcher. Is your research verifiable and, and legitimate? Are your numbers good? Good numbers. Yeah. Your numbers are good numbers. Your numbers are good numbers. You don't necessarily agree on what the, the numbers are telling us, but the numbers are the same or, you know, your interpretation. I'll take it all. Let's yeah. all go to D.C. and let's figure out. Because I don't know anything about the yeah. environment. And I'm not about to stand here and talk and like an expert. Like I do. And I'm not about to say I know the answer to, to gun violence. Because if I did, <laughs> we wouldn't be struggling I, wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't be here right now. I'd be yeah. rich and famous. Rich as hell. <laughs> and I wouldn't want to be president. So, let's, you know, but like, I like a person who just says, I don't know. I'm, you know, not like... You know that like that willful ignorance, yeah. like I don't know, and I ain't about to find yeah. out. I have no 
idea. But I'm open. But I'm open to figure. Right. Yeah. Someone knows. Yeah. Someone, someone who. Knows. Someone in some dark, dark room. <laughs> who been down there. <laughs> crunching numbers. Clacking like, away at his keyboard. I know how to stop climate change. And he's somewhere. And I, bro. Let's hire him. Let's hire him. Now come work for the government. Yeah. Come work for me. Work for my administration. Yeah. You know, I have the biggest cab. It wouldn't be one secretary. It's like eight up. It's eight, eight of them. Eight Y'all all better come together and come up with some shit. Because what's going on between the United States and Iran keep, can't keep happening. Exactly. You know what I'm trying you to say? And, and it's interesting because we want, you know, and also, but that's not what we want to hear. Yeah. Nobody wants to hear that the politician they're supporting doesn't know everything. Yeah. They want to believe you. You're old. Oh, man, but I'm not going to lie. I could spend that. You could spend that easily. Because it goes back to you saying, like, hey, this person seems like an honest guy. Like you know what I'm trying guy. to say? Because that's what ultimately people will. Oh, for sure. Because yeah. as crazy as it sounds, Donald Trump is a very honest person. Like, he says what he feels. He's exceptionally honest. He's exceptionally honest. Yeah. Honest to a fault, and his opinions are not respected by me, but you can't deny the fact that he's an honest oh, person. Yeah, that's what he literally shits where he sleeps. People, or sleeps where he shits. That's what his people love about yeah, him. Yeah, that's, right? that's, that's what they, they love, love about, about him. Donald Trump's honest. <laughs> he's honest. And you got, you know what I'm saying? Like, people, I know so many people who hate him, who revile him, but I'm like, look, he won, he won a national election. He is the president of the United States, and, and he, while his approval rates are relatively low, a lot of people like him. Yeah. Right? And he's figured out- He has enough to, people to get reelected. Oh, certainly. And he'll get more. Yeah. He's going to get more when it comes to this election, because depending on who the Democrats, half of the, half of the Democrat, Democratic candidates wouldn't be able to deal with him on the debate stage. Yeah. The other half just have, you know, they, they just don't have enough- of the the special sauce yeah. to get the undecided voters yeah. and the voters they need all to vote for them yeah. too. You know? And then the other thing too is there's a lot of people who didn't want to vote for Donald Trump because it was taboo at the time. Four years later, it's become mainstream yeah. culture. I don't know if you saw that report that was pulled no. in from the FBI. No. They said that the majority of cases of terror, um, domestic terrorism yeah. that they thwart white nationalists. A white supremacist. So it's like it's, but it's been. It's actually there was a study that was showing that white supremacy began its rise back in two thousand eight. Yeah, when Donald, when, when Barack, they, Ochama, Barack Obama was elected. I know as president. they said that there's more groups now than probably ever in history. Yep, and yep, yep, no. yep. So there's a lot of people who are now comfortable. And now can you know because it was taboo to say I voted for Donald Trump four years ago. Four years now, people are just like I voted for him. I'm gonna vote for him again. But you know what though, you know how I know that. And it's like people, you know, people dislike so you know so many things. And I know I have a lot of friends who hate Facebook, but Facebook is definitely a, a piece of it, it offers a glimpse, yeah, into the human condition, just people, America in general. And I was reading an article, trying to think what. Oh, you know, it was about a crime. And sure enough, there was a, a, a not just one or two, but several like, see, they, they can't control themselves. Mm. You know, they being black folks, <laughs> just very plainly. See, can't stay out of trouble. They can't control themselves. They, they, I'm like, okay, so when you say they, you mean black people. Yeah. And you're very comfortable to go on a public forum and be like, they, black people, can't control themselves. <laughs> Might as well put that in brackets. <laughs> they, they, bracket, open, they, black people, they bracket, They can't clothes. control themselves. And if you and if there are enough, if there are so many people now who are comfortable making those statements, I already know what the rest of the place looks like, right? Because they're yeah. not, they're not unusual, right? They, they're out there, they're, and, and I feel like Facebook is so because people people offer 
true mm. opinions. Yeah, it's weird. That's right? why I stay off of Facebook. Especially, and that's why I love Twitter, where you can be real. Like people, you know, hate Twitter because of anonymity. No, people, are, but people are being super honest, right? And, and even if it's like these ex- this exaggerated state of personality, still, you know, a lot of times it's still you're not, right? So people who who would never say they hate black people in in public conversation go on Twitter and they're like. <laughs> They get that, like they get a hump, and they're just like, I say what I want, and they start just espousing all this hateful behavior. Oftentimes, start, uh, with no Avi, no just, picture, just no. Oh, of course, that's how you know, you know. And they're just following all these people, and then they go to to work, mm. and you think that that's not affecting their daily yeah. life when they're looking at some black dude or they have some black kid come in and get a job. Yeah, Stop it, right. So the sentiments are out there. We know, and it's becoming more popular to, to espouse them, right? And so that I mean I don't know where that where that brings us. I'm yeah. always I'm like I wonder you know if I could ever go back in time like mm-hmm. you know it always changes where I'd go. But right now I would go two three years right before the Civil War mm. and be like what was the attitude like what were conversations well like, like we don't have slaves we're not talking about that but just when people were like you dirty motherfucker I hate you right <laughs> I hate you so much right fuck you fuck your slaves and we'll split this or you know. You can't take our stuff away. We'll split this country in half. Yeah. And then just coming to a point where you're willing to go into a battlefield and kill <laughs> kill people. Like, what did that, what is the, the sentiment? What did it feel like? Was that, like, what was that electricity in the air? You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's a way different situation. But what was that just, how did it feel to be around people and be like, man, you really don't like Northern. Yeah. Man. Fuck them Yankees. You know, fuck them Southern. Like, what is, oh, I just want to be like, <laughs> What was that like? Because the electricity in the air today is it's it's different. Yeah. How how bad will it get? Yeah. There's a question. How bad will it get? How far can we get? Can we get to a point where people? I mean, because what? You, I think you should keep talking. Texas, how far? No, how I'm far do you saying, think we can? Texas is always trying to secede anyway, right? Yeah. Right. And I'm I'm just let them go. <laughs> Problem. Send them, send them away. Right? I mean, go away. look, you just brought up two. Alaska does it every year. Alaska's been trying to secede for years. So you just brought up two really important conversations, though. You, if one of them, if we could touch back on it, though, is let's say they do succeed, right? That brings me into the conversation of how do you feel about segregation again? I know this is really taboo to say, yeah. but, you know, Black Wall Street in Greenwood, Tulsa, Oklahoma, yeah. Yeah. ultimately failed because desegregation. Yeah, it was a yeah. thriving community, but when black people were allowed to shop wherever, naturally they shop with the grocery store that's closer to home. Now, I didn't have to travel as far. Yes. It makes more sense. So it's not that they did anything wrong. They just did what was most feasible for themselves. Yes. But as a result, there is relatively no black dollar anymore and there's no black wealth, right? right. You look right. in Boston, the black wealth is practically zero. Yeah. Um, you know, should, should, should. You know, the government be like, yo, Texas is fat as fuck or California is fat as hell. Let's take all the black people over there and let them live their life, you yeah, know, live their yeah. best life. You know what I'm trying to say? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think it's I don't think it's feasible anymore. Okay. Um, and I, I mean, I don't know. We're, we're such a weird country. But I mean, we're moving toward the place where eventually like. The blend of people in America is becoming so, you know, determined now, right? And I, I know they say like by three, you know, by the year three thousand, there will be no black white. Everyone will be some variation. Well, by the year three thousand, it's not gonna be a world. <laughs> that's right, that's right now. 
I, I love Tom Skilling and I love his social media because he always posts these articles. I'm like, yo, they gonna be here another. We, yeah. we look. I just, I'm just waiting for a day where I can just be like, you know what? I'm gonna do what the fuck I want today. <laughs> work. I ain't going to work. Cause I ain't gonna be another here next year. I'm just gonna go pack a bag. One more year. I'm gonna do what I want. Walk the earth and have fun. Cause another year ain't even happening here. Cause we are moving towards some craziness and irreversible craziness. Oh my gosh, craziness. Cause. Uh, you know, he, he was talking about the the feedback loop. I can never remember the term. Feedback loop. That the, Ar- the Arctic is on fire right now. Big portions of the Arctic yeah. are having these huge wildfires. And it's funny. He goes, yes, that Arctic. Yeah. <laughs> right? The one that's supposed to be covered in and ice. It has all these wildfires and, you know, how that's affecting everything. And then now the, the earthquakes. And I'm just like, yo. And people still believe. It was a good run. Hey, if people still don't believe. That climate, whether it doesn't matter, climate change is happening. That to me is a very uh, uh, undeniable fact. Right mm-hmm. now, I don't care who said right. France has had its hottest day on record ever, ever. Uh, undeniable fact. The, the debate is whether we're exacerbating it, which mm. at this juncture doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, because it's happening. Yeah, right. Things are are, are changing rapidly. So now the, the the question simply is, can we slow it down? Mm-hmm. Because we don't, we aren't sure. Which is the right kind of the shift. We're not sure if we can survive the change, mm-hmm. right? We're just not. We're not sure that if things go totally south, uh, we start getting ten feet of snow a pop in Chicago, <laughs> we could make it, right? Whereas France isn't sure if they suddenly turn to a desert, they can make it. We don't know if we can make it through. We we have all the technology, we have everything we could ever hope to have, and we think we're these great, you know, basically demigods, but we're not sure we can live in a desert. Yeah. <laughs> So, can we slow the process down? It's now really the only, yeah. that's the only discussion I ever want to get into now. Can we slow it down? Not, yes whether, no. not whether it's happening, not whether we caused it, but can we slow it down? Because <laughs> it's happening Because it's here. so fast. It's not even, it's here. And it, it's here. And it's, you know, like, it, and it's, it's interesting. I was, I was down on the lakefront the other day. You see, I don't know if you've been down there, it's how high the lake is mm. now. Uh, the lake is. Because you used to be like down below where you go out there, it's like ladders so you can get in the water and yeah. you no dive and whatever. The, the water is, is over the cement level now. So it's actually so the walking paths, most of the walking paths are closed. Some of them are completely disappeared. If you go like here, straight across, so from Woodlawn straight across to the lake, some of the walking paths there because they were like, Word. they went further down than where they do. We, the loop. Loop. we for real underwater. Some of them, right, are gone. Just completely gone because the lake's level is so high. Right, and it's just like you know the, the the weird temperatures. Winter went till March, and now we're like it's rainy, and now you know yeah, and super rainy. All this now, stuff. It's, now it's finally starting to get hot. It's starting to get hot, and it was cold. It's hot, and you know you see what happens in France. You see what's happening in the Arctic. Um, you know the the permafrost is disappearing in Canada. The the the, the glaciers are disappearing. Ice caps are you know disappearing or cracking, and all the different yeah. stuff. Like look, look, <laughs> look. All I want to know is, can we slow this down? Because yeah. once once we hit the tipping point, once we hit that point, we're like, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Something real just happened. <laughs> we got like 50 feet of snow. I'm not, <laughs> not going to lie. In Minnesota, that's it. It's a done deal. So I just want to slow things down. I already down let that myself point. know. Look, bro. <laughs> I ain't going to be here for all the nonsense, bro. <laughs> nope. I'm like, I've been, I've been watching that date, you know, really closely. I'm like, okay, so... I just got to be here until like 2074 and then, <laughs> or like, I'll be really watching the day. Like I ain't going to be here. Cool. 
Did I say twenty seven fifty seventy five? Cool. On Planet B. Oh, yeah, you know? long. So yeah, no. It's... And it brings up a really important conversation with me where I'm like questioning whether I want to give birth. Oh yeah, because they're gonna have to deal with that. I don't want to. I don't want to make nobody suffer. Yes, my daughters are fourteen. Okay, and it's it's like, you know, and it, it's it's that life perspective definitely changes when you have children. Yeah. Um. Uh. And and they don't live here. They live with their mom in Florida. But it definitely does because you you know everything becomes a. What about them? What about them? You know, for sure. Um, and it's scary. Yeah. You know, because you don't scary. ever want to set nobody up for that. You set know what I'm trying failure. to say? <laughs> Literally failure. You got to. A day's going to come with a fireball. <laughs> Literally, from the sorry, sky. Sorry, baby. <laughs> and you won't, you won't be able to do then, nothing but to stand there. Right, but till then, it's going to be great. You know? Yeah. And, I, you know, you hear that often when people talk about the violence in the world mm-hmm. and stuff. But yeah, the, like the, the environment thing is, is so interesting to me. And it's above us. That's so it's, right it's, at this point. It, but you know, I don't remember. I, I remember being a teenager when there was a hole in the ozone. Mm-hmm. I, 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 that was after you were born. I'm yeah, sorry. for sure. There was that's a hole. why we had to wear sunscreen. Now. And then they stopped taking like they took all the aerosol cans. The aerosol cans couldn't have the certain chemical in yeah. it. And then the, the the air conditioners they they changed Removed what was it in then, there. Yeah. Right, and then it, it closed. Right, and I just can't understand now why like it's like look. Some things we're doing, and it's one of those things like burning coal is not a good idea. We I don't now, know why that's still a thing. We now know it's not a good idea. Yet we still. How doing do we it. stop? How would we? How do we do it less? Yeah, like, that to literally. How do we do it less? So much money needs to be put into renewable and oh, energy so sources. Much. We know that the, our cars are not good. Like, and I've never been to LA. Mm-hmm. So you've been to LA twice. I hear about the smog out there. They say like how that starts to look sometimes. Like it gets like man, forget the brownish smog. yellow. Look, just you could just traffic the traffic out there. Oh man, I mean that's what the smog is coming from. But like, it's from, yeah, right, yo, the traffic out there is ridiculous because everyone in LA feels like they need a car. I heard, and the part stories. of it is because they just have poor transit. Yeah, you know what I'm trying to say. Same with Atlanta. Pretty Atlanta, non-existent, right? The transit. Atlanta is just well, I would say LA is more non-existent. Ooh, I probably seen one bus. And I ain't never seen a train station. Yeah, <laughs> in in LA because I was like how how much time it takes to get. In and out of LA, what you know, the, and I'm just like, oh, it's scary. It's horrible. It's got to be horrible. And what happened? Have you okay? Have you listened? To, have you heard the podcast, the big one? Mm-mm. Listen to the podcast, the big one. It's the big one. It's a it's a survivor's survival guide or a survivor's guide to when the big one hits. Whatever. Okay. Uh, a friend told me about it. I listened to all six or seven episodes in two days. I couldn't, wow. I couldn't tear myself. It was one of those things, which for me is pretty rare. When I got off work and I headed straight home just so I could sit around and listen to this damn podcast. Because I was just like fascinated. But it's basically like, um, okay, the big one hits. Mm-hmm. Right? And I, I'm, I actually just met a earth... What, what's, the, what's the word? Someone... Not a seismologist, but someone who studies the earth. Okay. And, and like, the, you know, I just met somebody who, who, that's his job. Yeah. He does it for university. Okay. So he's like, I travel. I'm like, oh, all these earthquakes. He goes, I'm constantly busy now. Right? Because, you know, and I mean, there are places that, when I lived in Alaska, earthquakes occur in Alaska every day. Okay. Most of them are so small, you don't ever hear about them. But then you have those big ones, right? But then he was saying, like, you know, whatever. And I was like, and I asked him if he'd heard this podcast. He goes, no. But it, basically, the big one hits. Like, you know, what? They just had a 7.1. So this one was like 11 or 12. Like, mm-hmm. the biggest ever. Ooh, hits California. So the first thing they do is, like, so it's going to be a 30-second rumble. Right? Mm-hmm. Unlike anything you've ever seen. Buildings will, some buildings will go down. Things will go down, whatever. So then they, they 30 go. 30 seconds is a long time. <laughs> 
they go to talking to this lady who was in Venezuela when the, earth, the biggest earthquake I think you know Venezuela's ever seen, one of the biggest ever in history, hit Venezuela. She was on a bus. Stop the bus stopped. You know, and she's like, you don't know what that looks and like. Things are jumping off the mm-hmm. ground. You know, like things are. It's not like oh, there's a shake. Yeah, it's literally waves. <laughs> like right, the road is moving in yeah. waves. Like shit is jumping ten feet in the air. The building that the bus stops in front of completely collapses. Oh man, she was in a bus full of people. She was the only survivor. I think she said there was thirty people on the bus, but she was the only survivor. And the only reason they they found her because she was screaming. She was she she became conscious, started screaming, and they found her. Only survivor. But so they talk. They hear it from her perspective. So then they're like, so when the big one hits, you know, here's what will happen. And they give you the science. They give you like a first person narrative of what that actually looks like yeah. from people who've lived through some of the biggest earthquakes yeah. ever. And then they try to give you like, so here's what you should do. Yeah. Here's your tips. So each episode is the first one is the, it hits. The second one is so once it happens, you have aftershocks, so possibly for weeks. So then you have and then they were talking about like, what's the biggest injury? So once it happens, what should you do? What's the number one injury after an earthquake? What's the biggest injury they see at hospitals? Concussion? No. Broken bones? No. Just fear, glass, and oh, people's feet, oh. because people go running around because yeah. you're asleep yeah, or you're, you're scared. like you're, you're scared. You run without your shoes, and there's broken glass everywhere, everywhere. everywhere. So people start run, not, and you're running right because you're trying to escape somewhere. Yeah. You're trying to get it, and people step on glass. So they're like the number one injury is glass in mm. people's feet. So they're like, so one, you, you know, make sure you have shoes. shoes on. Two, then after that, what happens if you and your family are separate? Do you have a plan? Your kids are at school. Yeah. There's no electricity. Yeah. There's no phones. There's no phones. There's no ATMs, right? Cash is now God. Yeah. Which I saw um, when we went down for Hurricane Katrina. Yeah. Which I went a month after Katrina hit, uh, two or three weeks after the second hurricane came through. Cash is God. There is no, you know, and they actually got ATMs back up right after we got there. But like, if you don't care cash, what is water? Water is now like the hottest commodity, Not, right? Because yeah. you can't trust anything coming out of a pipe. Yeah. And it's it, the show is amazing. And I just I listened to it and I was just like, Jesus, why would people live in California? <laughs> why would you even live? Why would you do, why would you subject yourself right, to that? Why would you do that? But it's gonna happen. Yeah. I think they said within the next hundred years, it's gonna happen for sure. The right? big one? The big one. Because they said the big one happens every place like, just... whatever it was, four hundred years. Okay. And we're now in the in the window of like less than a hundred. So wow. it's gonna happen, right? Well, those plates are gonna hit, and then them babies gonna pop and rub, and then it's gonna be like, <laughs> I'm gonna make sure I'm not visiting and LA they, anytime soon. And they never, you know, and they don't even take the the, the idea, like, because to me, I'm a firm believer. You know, you hear sometimes that the, that's just gonna crack off, suck, <laughs> just gonna slide right to the ocean and be like, oh, California is no longer there. Yeah. You know, X million people just died last night, yeah. and that's it. Here's the president. Can you imagine Trump? <laughs> Really good people. Really, really good there were really good people in in, in California. Oh god, he's so disgusting. But except <laughs> for shut up, bro. Shut up. So it, check it out. It's a great. No, I'm definitely not. I'm on my way to next. And place. another one. Um, actually, you brought up earlier. Uh, Doctor Death is okay. a great. And I, I listen to tons of podcasts, obviously. Um, but that one's about a brain surgeon who basically like everybody he does surgery on, he like either maims or like he he kills and. And it's a, it, it, so it, it's great. It's by Wondery. They do a great job of 
of taking okay, stories, but looking at bigger systems. Yeah. So they use his story to look at the medical field as a whole. Like, how do bad doctors get through the medical field? Like, you know. Yeah. And so those those two podcasts are, are amazing. I would definitely check out both of them. Definitely. All right. Um, yeah. If, if there's anything else. I just real quick, because there is one thing I would. Oh, go, 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 go. What's up with reparations, man? How you feel about that? I don't know if you got any two cents. Mm. Mm. So mainly, mm. mainly, mainly, mm. okay, rep- reparations, right? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. How do we give it to people in a way that will actually be impactful? Because last time we spoke, you said something that I've been carrying around with me for a very long time, which is you knew a guy, kid growing up, um, who was malnourished mm-hmm. and after they gave him, you know, all the nourishment he needed, mm-hmm. it was at a point where some of those effects like stunting, for example, so, can be so reversed, right? right? Yeah, you know so. what I'm trying to say? Um, so that idea of like, you know, just throwing money at a group of people and then also having a conversation about who gets it, right? Because there's a new term I'll call, I don't know if you're familiar with ADOS, no. which is African Descendants of Slavery. Right? Okay. Which is very different than someone like me, right? Right. Do I deserve reparations? Because I never came on, you know, through slavery. However, I still am subject to the racism that has kept me locked out of certain circles. So do I deserve less? But do I deserve some nonetheless? Or do I get removed out of the conversation because I'm first generation and my parents knew where they came from? You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, another thing that a lot of people oftentimes when it comes to this whole argument between African-Americans versus like African immigrants is African-Americans saying like, you know, we have to be in the system where y'all have the choice to leave and stuff like that. Not acknowledging the fact that because of colonization, that's what made my parents leave. You know what I'm trying to say? They, They set up a system that was so bad. The next best thing was a racist country like America, Coming which was here. still a little bit better than like <laughs> right. the poverty that they were seeing in their country. Absolutely. You know, what I'm trying to that was literally yeah. set up in place by, you know, imagine the hardest, strongest, smartest people from your nation being gathered in droves and being sent to a whole nother country. You know what I'm trying to say? To then build their infrastructure. Yeah. Who do we have left, right? They left behind all the old people, babies, and basically people who couldn't keep up an economy. Yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? They still to this day are, you know, in the Congo, you know, taking resources. China's really, in in a, in a sense, is recolonizing Africa yes. right now and yeah. India. They're both doing it. So, like, yeah, I don't know how you, like, you know, what are your, what's your take on it? This might be controversial. Uh-oh. <laughs> right. Um, you know what? I, I often have what I consider to be unpopular views on topics. Um, when it comes to reparations... To ultimately, I'll I, I like I'll go ahead and preface any thought I offer with I really don't know. Okay, cool. um, I don't even know a, a, enough about the topic. Because I, I, I mean, I think we kind of talk about like the idea of what does that look like. Yeah. Um, I would so to me, and right now I'm just weird. I would love to see Barack Obama, mm-hmm. Tom Morello. Okay. Um. Um. Oh my gosh, Cornell West. Um, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yes. Um, probably Tom Nehisi Coates because I know this is a topic that he's passionate. Right? Passionate. Um, I would throw in like I, I would put in probably Elizabeth Warren. Right. Do Some, you know who Sandy Darity is? No. I would throw him in there. Too. Okay. He's a black economist. Okay. Very, um, very well. 
But I, I wouldn't want only black people in the conversation. Okay. I want some some non-black yeah. people, right? Uh, probably some Latino people. Yeah. Uh, I, I want a, Native a, Americans got to be there. I want a very diverse group. Yeah. Um, but I, I definitely want to hear... I would love to hear Barack Obama's take on this. Yeah, because he has not said nothing low-key. Tom Morello's, because they... I think they had a they had a inter, I think they attended Harvard at the same time. Okay. So Tom you know who Tom Morello is. Mm-mm. Tom Morello is the guitarist for Rage Against the Machine. Oh now okay. the guitarist for uh I can't even think of the name of the band. He's in a band with uh, I would love to hear Chuck D in that conversation, yeah. right? Uh these good political th- so Tom Morello has a degree from Harvard in political science. Mm. Right? Went to school about the same time as Barack Obama, but it, it, I actually, told me this before. And I think I heard him say one time, he said, But I spent all my time in a practice room playing guitar. Right, so he goes, yeah, I graduated with honors, but I spent all my time playing guitar. Right, which one says how intelligent he is. Yeah, right? literally. And, but he and he's a great, he's a good political thinker. Mm-hmm. I love hearing his idea on politics because he's not directly engaged in Washington D.C. Yeah. He does a lot of activism work. He's very outspoken. He's exceptionally intelligent, but you know what I'm saying? Like, but he's still doing. He's a rock star. Yeah, and literally. I, I, and I right with you know, so I love hearing his views. Because he's very just engaged and very passionate, but he's not a he's not a politician. Yeah. But I love to hear him, Barack Obama, uh, the kind of other people I mentioned, some, some who, are, who are much more engaged than others, um, and just hear the the, the views. Okay. Because to me though, the, the the thing one is, what exactly are we talking about giving? Yeah. Mm. And what do we expect mm-hmm. the the effects to be? Mm. Right. Because I'm. I, you've seen the Dave Chappelle show, mm-hmm. so you the, uh, the 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 skit about reparations. You seen no, that? I don't one? think I. Oh have stop! No, this is great skit okay. about reparations where I'll like they give repar- and they give like every black person a million dollars. So I'm like, oh. so crazy, and so they're like, so uh, so yes, you know, and it's it's just like a skit about the habits, right? So like stocking, stocking, uh, KFC goes sky high, Scott stocking Cadillac. <laughs> Because, like, suddenly, like, all this money's going to those yeah. two companies. Um, then, like, they, they go... <laughs> right, so horrible. <laughs> so they go, so we're going to talk to the world's richest person. So the world's richest person is a dude named Tron. So I don't know if you ever saw his character, Tron. He had the glasses on. Yes, He's like, okay. So, so Tron is one. Everybody else's million in, in uh, dice games. Oh, man. So he's, like, now the world's rich because he's just been taking cats' money all day. Playing dice. Playing dice. He's like, so I'm now a quadrillionaire. <laughs> He's got his money. He's like, I bought a baby today. Cash money. <laughs> He's got like this little baby. And it's just like ridiculous. Yeah. You know? And then they talk to this lady. And, he sh- and she's like interviewing her. She's like, where you poor ass white folks go out of the You know, and it's, it's the most ridiculous thing. It's hilarious as hell. But it's like, but really, what are we? Gonna, are we just talking about giving people a lump sum of money? Yeah. That's not going to benefit. No, nope. right? Um, so stimulus back. It, it, it's <laughs> that's right. all it is. It's not gonna. It, it, you know, the people who need the money the most are going to use it. Sure, but are they going to stay rich? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Are they going to? Can they actually build wealth? Here's a here perfect thing. I can go. I can go find someone who is is under the poverty line. Give them a million dollars. They they don't know anything about investing. Nope, because they've never had opportunity to. They don't know what the you know. And it's like the time I had to teach students about stocks and bonds because mm-hmm. I talked about the stock market crash, right? And they were like, uh, and Black Friday and the kids. <laughs> after this great presentation, I said, "So you guys got any questions?" And this girl raised her hand. She goes, "What's a stock?" And then this other kid goes, "What's a bond?" Oh, <laughs> and then this other kid goes, "What's the stock market?" 
you motherfuckers. And I was like, so I was like, wait a minute. Okay, who doesn't, and no kid knew what I was talking Man. about. One girl whose parents were teacher, one parent was a teacher, one parent was a professor, knew, understood what I explained. Mm. Nobody else in the class did. I said, so, okay, you don't know what stocks are, you don't know what bonds are, you don't know what stock market is, you don't know about investments, nothing, right? And kids looked at me and said, no. This is why I'm student teaching. I said, okay, let's talk about it tomorrow. Came back the next day, and I said, so how can I start the store, right? You got to make it, you know, this is about making it culturally relevant, accessible, whatever, the the best thing I could come up with. I said, okay, you, you're going to open a a corner store. You open a bodega, yeah? He goes, yeah. He goes, but you ain't got all the money to open it, right? He's like, okay. I said, so he is going to loan you money. He's going to give you money. He's going to buy into the business. This is how I started, right? So we went from a bodega to a corporation. Right now we have investors. Like I just told this, built this huge fairytale story yeah. to get to a point where now there's a stock market. And this yeah. is how it works. Right? And then it crashes because we're speculating. And so we did all this yeah. and they finally understood it. I said, do you guys understand now? And they understood stocks and bonds in the stock market. It took a week. I mean, I know some adults that right. need that much time. This took, a, this took like what was supposed to be a two day lesson, turned it like almost to a two week lesson, but the kids understood it. Mm-hmm. And I taught it, you know? And it's one of those things if I give you money, you got what you know to do is, is spend it to survive. Yeah. Now you have a lot of money you might spend to splurge or spend yeah. to get things you want, but is that going to help you in the round? Yeah. Most lottery winners are and poor broke. and they're broke. Less than way less than ten years later, within five years they're poor again. They're broke, right? You don't know what to do with this money. Money, so, all at once, like that. So to me, it's a it's a big question. So what are we giving? Yeah. Right now, to me, I, I want to give more. You know, like, but this also what will it look like? You know, I'm I'm more like free college, right? If your reparation is free schooling. For you, for you, for you, your children, their great grandchildren, yeah. and then even if we put a a marker on it, right? Yeah. But which still doesn't counteract the fact that you know I always tell people like in this way, like when when did Northwestern allow their first black person mm. to to attend a class, right? And then go back to when did Northwestern start? Right, and then think about all that time in between where Johnny, who really probably wasn't worth shit anyway, was able to go to Northwestern, get a degree, simply because he he smiled and he was like showed up, right? Showed up, and then all his dirtbag kids who all went to Northwestern over that entire period of time to a point where one of them runs a five, you know, like a I'm big, huge ass company, and all his kids are going to Ivy League schools and all this, and then suddenly you let this kid in, right? Who, who gets in on his merits, works really hard, and goes his, and now he starts that train. But how? What's the time difference yeah, between that? Yeah, right. A hundred years? I don't know. I don't even know. But you know, in, in the mix there. And so you're you're talking about trying to repair a lot, centuries, a lot of time, right? Centuries. And just money ain't gonna do it. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, and but then I have a like, I would say to you know. Like, this is always my criticism with a lot of activism that mm-hmm. goes on today, right? You got to... There's a system that's broken. We want to fix it. You can't be, You can't believe that people in the system are going to belly flop over for you. Yeah. Why? I wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> like if, you know, and I, I think one of my greatest values as an educator and, and just working in, in, in social justice issues is my ability to see perspective, right? I get people who don't want the system to change because yeah. they have nothing to gain. Yeah. Everything to, to lose. lose. For you. Yeah. Why? 
why would I do that? You know what I'm saying? Like I always tell kids, if I was rich, I wouldn't be here right now. You think I'd be teaching if I was rich? Fuck you. <laughs> That's real. I would though. be on a beach somewhere. Yeah. And people be like, man, black people in Chicago are struggling. Fuck they po asses, <laughs> and that's where and that's where that whole bootstrap story, right? Yeah, Fuck they po asses. They need to work harder right, and pull which themselves is, up by the bootstrap, right? Which is not the true story, but that's the attitude I would have, yeah. right? I I, I I hopefully would not have that attitude, mm-hmm. but yeah. you know what I'm saying? I don't know if I was, you know what I'm saying? And so it's just tough for me. It's really tough to say I support reparations because I 100 percent don't. My father used to always say, um, giving people something for nothing is a bad idea. Mm. He'd always said that. Um, I mean, but we did it with the Japanese folks, and we did it with some of the Jewish people coming out of the Holocaust. Yes, so giving you know, what I'm saying there's some there's something to be gained, especially as even in a society in 2019, the lopsided nature of you, if you were to take a white child and a black child, their natural progression is so lopsided mm. on based on just social factors that something needs to be done. Yeah. What that something is to be is what the reparations I envision. Well, what is that? Yeah, but what is that? That's very right. Is that you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Right. What is that? Is that you know? Is that okay? Every you know, your family is assigned now a a counselor, right? Who is a uh, a mental health specialist and a medical specialist that they can help you guide your your family. And then you know, so now when you go to school, your school's and I think this is what we talked about in our inter- my interview. Uh, your school's gonna be funded like the best schools in the yeah. nation. And when your your kid is ready to go to college, they're gonna get in college as long as they you know meet the academic criteria. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But money won't be an issue. issue. And then this counselor is helping guide that yeah. for the next fifty years. You got a person telling you that's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't tell you not to do it, but that's a bad idea, yeah. right? This is a good idea. And then that person wholeheartedly, want, wholeheartedly wanting to see your family succeed. Yeah. Maybe that's what reparations looks like. Yeah. I wish somebody would just stroll their ass in here today and be like, you know what? We're going to clean up your life, bro. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? When it's going to actually mean something. <laughs> here's what, right, here's what we're going like, to do. We're going to actually make yeah. it happen. Right. You know, because I mean, but if someone walked in and gave, like right now, say, gave me a million dollars. Um, I would be in a, a much better position than a lot of people to, to try to hold on to. You know what I'm saying? Because you understand. Yeah. I wouldn't go buy something with it. Like, people, you know, me, I have a friend, uh, Trisha, and whenever there's a huge lottery, we play together. And we made a deal years ago, a couple years ago, that if we, one of us won, right? And it's funny because in the deal, I would break her off a much larger percentage than she would break me off, mm. right? I said, look, I'll give you 50%, right? You win. I only want like twenty. I think it was like ten or twenty, right? I'm not greedy, right? I don't need to be rich, but if I could pay off my student loans, uh, you know, and we and we've had these long conversations about what would we do if we won the lottery. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking like forty, fifty million dollars. She's like, would you get a new car? No, no, I don't need it. I'm like, but then then I thought about it. I'm like, yeah, because my car is all fucked up. Oh, well, oh you need. <laughs> I'm like, right. I'm like. I would get another super. I would trade. Well, I, would, I wouldn't get nothing. No, crazy, not like a know? Lambo. Yeah, not a Ferrari. No, I'm gonna get a nice, a new. You know, here I wouldn't move from okay. here from this place. Um, I would stay here uh, at least for another year, right? I would buy something the following year. Nothing extravagant. A condo somewhere in the city I want to live, not downtown because I've never wanted to live downtown. Yeah. Uh, yo, pick a community, mm-hmm. likely Southside because I love South. You know, but. There used to be a condo right across the street. Maybe buy that. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, I would be very, very, you know, judicious with my money. But I would definitely, you know, trying to think how to make it work long term. 
And that's I'm much more advantageous in, in at least having the ability to, to yeah. do that, right? Than a lot of people. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I don't know about the mm-hmm. the reparations thing. Um, sure. Do. I think my, my, my position has shifted to the point where I used to think no, 100% no about reparations. Now I'm kind of like, I get it. Yeah. Right? Because, man, even, especially now. I think now with Trump as president, I really am like, man, but we get a yeah, bad yeah. fucking shake. Like, yeah. We get played left and right. right you yo, know what I'm saying? Yo. And people talk about us. And, you know, and, and you had a... a, a you had a super Negro in the White House and black people still ain't good enough. Yeah. Right? Still ain't good enough for, for, for America. Yeah. Fuck that. You know, and so, and it's it's tough to to, to see that and, and hear that and endure that and not become bitter. You yeah. know, and, but, yeah. So now I'm at least like, yeah, Let's I, I see it. it. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about but it. But if you're just talking about throwing money at people, nah, I ain't on that track. Yeah. That things are just going to be weird. Yeah. <laughs> Watch that! Watch that! No, I'm gonna do that right now. Oh, yeah. it's so good, definitely. What y'all white people gonna be doing tonight with y'all po ass? Yeah, <laughs> that line is gonna take me out for sure, one thousand percent. All right, so is there? Yeah. I, I, I think. I think yeah, I think that's everything. Now. All right, we're yeah. we're. Oh my god, dude! We've been talking for two and a half hours. I'm not surprised. This yeah. is the longest conversation I've had so far. Perfect. I'm yeah, happy. this is gorgeous. Appreciate your time. Um, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for coming. I know, like you, you're busy. You're a busy man. Obviously, <laughs> you got a lot going on. You came out on a Saturday morning to chat. Um, Saturday afternoon, 100 percent in this hot ass apartment because we can't turn the fan on. I'm, this is, I'm comfortable. <laughs> I was gonna say honestly, as long as I can walk away from every conversation with one thing I can work on. Yeah. I appreciate it. And so, if me and you didn't have this conversation right now, I wouldn't have never started thinking about ways to like develop some programming for toxic masculinity so yeah. i appreciate your time for that and it was just here cool to hear your thoughts on like reparations and Ugh, yeah uh, everything else in between too gonna be giving me the side eye like that. i don't think so so i was actually really nervous i was really nervous about what you were gonna say i was like <laughs> am i gonna have to hold him accountable right, 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 right. but no you actually know everything you said makes no, a lot of sense you know, one thousand percent it's just right it's just what 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 would it look like? Yeah. And that's why I would love to hear. Like I would love Barack Obama had time. I would it. love to hear Barack. I never realized that he actually yeah. never heard him say anything. I've heard. It. I would love to hear Michelle's views. Right? She's yeah. oh, she uber could, educated. Michelle could tell me whatever she wants. Well, to tell oh my god. You know what's so funny? It, like I wasn't the least bit attracted to her when she when they. Oh, I'm not talking about like, that. Oh, 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 oh I, no, I'm not. I, mean, uh, I, I just meant like like I would just uh-huh. sit there and stare at her. Yeah. Like, like like you know like the old fashioned kid on a date. Yeah. Just, just sitting like, over the soda. Just talk to me. Just talk to me, Michelle. Just tell talk me to me everything. Talk to me, Michelle. <laughs> tell me. Look, ma. Right, not like I'm trying to hit. Yeah, but she, yeah, just, yeah. Just also like you're super educated, you're so and you're so in tune with everyone around yeah, you. Tell me everything. Like, <laughs> like she she touched me on my shoulder, and my acne went away. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Tell me everything. Tell me about law. Tell me about. You let know. me just touch, like look. Let me just touch your claws, <laughs> please. Are, are you a fan of uh, Lil Dicky? I. Kinda. Kinda. I, I, I kind of fell off with Lil Dicky after he did that whole Chris Brown. Uh, okay, I, mean, I don't Chris Brown's yeah, don't, body. I don't know. Where, like, you know, Chris Brown said that the N word was said. Oh, okay. But, like, from the point of, like, Lil, it was weird. But uh, yeah, yeah, besides that, Lil Dicky is pretty cool. You ever you heard this song, bruh? I don't know. But he did, a, he did a freestyle on Sway in the Morning. Okay. And, and one of the lyrics is uh, it's it's about like all, you know how the girls try to get with him now that he's you know yeah, he's like he's you know um, uh, in, in a year I might try I might try to get married uh, but don't tell mom oh no I've I definitely mom, heard but this. in a year but don't uh, but in a year I might 
hook up with Michelle Obama or something like that. Yeah. He's like, you know, at least I gotta try to get it while I'm hot. Yeah, and, Sway, and it was great because in the in the in the the freestyle, Sway go, oh shit, like, he, he was name dropping the first lady like and that. Then he, and then he even said, he goes, well, I didn't like that Michelle Obama line. He goes, and then Dick Dickie's like, hey man, life's got crazy. You never know. He goes, it won't happen, Dickie. <laughs> it won't happen, Dick. You know how you know how you be That's how you say it won't Swing. happen, Dickie. But it's like the best line. I'm like, oh my gosh, Yo, man. That's fire. Well, Dickie knows. Everybody knows Michelle Obama is is amazing. A legend. No, amazing. she's a legend. Amazing. Greatest first lady. One ever. of the people I want. I hope to meet for. One thousand percent. I hope to meet. One thousand percent. Shake her hand. Just shake her hand and, and just, just talk. Say, and just say hello. Right? Yeah. Hi. What's popping? Hi, Miss. Hey. <laughs> Hey Miss Hey Miss Obama. I would get so right. I was starting I would just turn red and be like, Hi, Miss Obama. No, I would literally be like, Hey Miss Obama, can I call you Michelle? <laughs> the Michelle just rolling off my tongue to sound so even great. Picture me articulating that well. I would just be like, Hi. You get you give her the two hand handshake. Right. Hey. I'm here. We're here. Hey. We're here. Yeah. Oh good lord. All right, yeah. my man. Definitely. Such a pleasure. This I, I'm I'm loving this. We gotta. We, we, I'm sure down the road we'll have you again for sure. Yeah, gotta have you back on. Um, hopefully I'm somebody by then. <laughs> that makes two of us. Right? <laughs> Hire me. How about that? Even better. Let me. I work. I work in the mail room. I start low. Yeah. I work myself up. Like I'm going to work. I will go tell you my boss. WBZ. I'm going to work for Sam. I'm out. <laughs> I hope I, that my goal is to start hiring more black people. Hey, for sure. Hire me and we'll, we'll I'll do whatever. Definitely. All right. All Appreciate right. you, my man. Such a pleasure. And that is it. Um, yeah. We're out. All right. And that was episode two. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Sam is an amazing mind, young mind. And he's just, I love being in a room with him and he never fails to amaze me when I ask, you know, his opinion, his insights, uh, his perspectives. And I, I can't say enough about great things about him. Uh, check him out on social media. Um, also check out progression with the crown, pick up a shirt, pick up a hoodie, do something right. Uh, support local businesses. Um, and especially young entrepreneurs who are, who are doing amazing things. You know, they, they need to be seen. They need to be heard. So please support. Um, also you can check me out. Um, on social media, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram. I'm on Snapchat somewhere. Um, find me, please. I, I post every once in a while. If you hit me on Snapchat, I hit you on Snapchat, and so we'll we'll get that rolling, right? Other than that, please download this, uh, rate it, review it, um, subscribe on the platform listener of your choice. Um, please subscribe to my mailing list. All of that is down in the episode notes. Don't guess. Just go down there and look at it um, in, in your app, and you'll find it. <clears throat> Uh, beyond that uh, this is it i'm excited i'm already looking forward to episode number three Um, i'm already working on episode number three and so you know we'll be back next week with that so thank you thank you thank you have a great day be good do good